Wait, wait. Well, I, I can be reasonable. That time is past. You don't need that. Uh, uh, wait. Uh, I'll tell you everything. Yes. I know you will. Let her go. Welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that belongs in a museum. It's best film ever. My name's Ian. And I'm Ethan. And that's it. Yeah. That's it. Everybody else kept their eyes open when the Ark of the Covenant <laughs> was unleashed. And they're gone. I uh, know. Uh, Liam's uh, got some amateur dramatic stuff going on tonight. Georgia, I think, has a performance going on this afternoon, which means she's not there. And Megan, I believe, is trapped in London because oh, no. it is hot and rail service has been disrupted significantly. So, uh, yeah, that's it. So you're you're, you're left with, uh, well, I don't know. I think, Ethan, I think it's our uh, our mandate this week to yeah. try and not talk long and prove that it's not me and you who's causing <laughs> these run times. See, I think it's it's more on me to prove that than you, because this is like this is your your weekly thing. You host it. You you get you get it straight. I've been gone a while. I come back and now we're at like three hours, four hours. So I got to prove myself here. Yeah, I don't think we're going to go sub three, but definitely <laughs> if we can keep it from hitting three fifty something, that's yeah. the goal. Um, so welcome to episode number one hundred and eighty, Raiders of the Lost Ark, sometimes mistakenly referred to, well, kind of mistakenly, kind of not, as Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm. Uh, mainly because around twenty eleven, there's a little bit of just early sort of stuff. They renamed it. So in a similar way to, to 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 Star Wars and and A New Hope and all that, and sort of going, no, it was always called A New Hope. Yeah, right. Um, they thought they'd just line it up with the rest of the content. So actually, if you go on Wikipedia, I believe, it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. If you go on to IMDb, it's Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. So yeah, I I, uh, I use Letterboxd to like log films just to chart what I've watched in the year. They still have it as uh, as just Raiders of the Lost Ark, but they also just have A New Hope as Star Wars. So they kind of oh, they like they like to keep the I am names a on fan of the people at Letterboxd because I re- yeah I released the New Hope and we did it just as Star Wars. I think I don't think I put a New Hope on it. I'm I'm a stickler for uh, I'm a pedant as they would say. Letterboxd is good. I w- I wish there was more thing. I like to chronicle what I what I do in it. Doing a year. Well, that's kind of that's kind of why we started the old BFE. It was uh, yeah. and I going, well, we document this, and then actually going, okay. And once you went, yeah, I'm up for it. I went, oh, right, you're not going to research how to do this, are you? All right, it's up to me to sort of figure figure this all out. So here we are. Uh, so uh, if this is your first time, welcome. Welcome, 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 right? Um, if this is your uh, multiple time, Welcome, 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 welcome back. And um, so last week, hopefully, you might have heard us talking about Carrie. Um, yeah, which we did that. If you, if you were like, oh, I know you guys did Carrie, go, go and have a look. Go and then have a listen. Um, and then also we dropped our most recent Friends of the Podcast, the one where Heckles dies, which included an extract from our uh, hour plus interview with Larry Hank and Mr. Heckles himself. 
Ooh, so I didn't realize that dropped. That dropped, I, I, yeah. I, I, I need to listen to that. Yeah, so I was surprised how long we went on about Friends for. I was like, oh, it's only like a 15-minute clip. No, it's a good 30 minutes of Friends oh, talk, wow. more or less. And then about 30 f- f- to 40 minutes of non-Friends stuff, which will drop on Friday. So, uh, yeah, lots of stuff from our interview with, uh, with Larry Hankins. So that would be... Uh, Splendid! It was a good time. Uh, even if the character of Mister Heckles felt that uh, felt that the, the the friends were being a nuisance, Ethan, I'll tell you who's never a nuisance, and that's our Patreon backers, our friends of the yeah. podcast. I'm talking. You, you, it's on you today. So let's see how the lag plays out. I'm talking about Julie, yeah, Hermes, yeah, James de Guzman, yeah, Lena Oberholzer, yeah, Anthony and Davies, yeah, Chris Peterson, yeah, Randall Silva, yeah, Dwayne Smith, yeah, Dwayne Smith. There we are, the Yeetmeister, yeah, Reverend Bruce. Yeah. Date the Great, yeah. Andy Dixon, yeah. Holly Callan, yeah. uh, Cheesy, with a fisherman back, uh, Richard, yeah, the cool cat himself, Brian Cool Cats, Cool Cats, Cool Cats, Cool Cats, Cool Cats, and Canadian Chris Dykstra. Oh, Canada! I love how you like bailed because a you're going to say time, but b I'm not sure you were that sure about the notes. No, no, I'm not. I, I was, I was like, I'm gonna try and like premeditate when you're gonna say stuff. So I'm, I'm either came in just a bit before or still late because I was trying to like time right when it would hit. But I'm, I'm, I'm worried it's not gonna know. <laughs> and if you're wondering what it is that the the sort of Patreon sort of cats get to get to do with us here, I mean they do everything from weigh in on our final vote at the end of the episode for where we rate the film to priority sort of comments to joining us on on quiz nights or every now and then I need I need a hand and I tag someone in to uh, even joining us sometimes on uh, episodes uh, of their own choosing and things like our media madness tournaments. So if you want to keep the lights on and the fans running here at the Studio of Awesomeness. And help keep that sweet, sweet BFE content coming from the microphone to your ears about two times a week. Please consider joining our Patreon. You can get in the door for as little as three British pounds a month. That's four Canadian dollars, four US dollars, five Canadian dollars, and just over 500 yen, we discovered. Other currencies are available. So there we are. Uh, Patreon gifts going out this this month. Ethan's been sending me some proofs, so we're looking forward yeah. to getting those out to peeps. Uh, our friends of the podcast will be getting two uh gifts this uh this cycle and our uh bffs of the bf you'll be getting two gifts plus a premium gift a premium gift i'm excited about what we got coming out so uh looking forward to seeing people's reactions to that uh the next media madness as we were talking about films of the mcu i have sent out the nomination i guess endorsement ballot more than anything else this time but uh we're looking forward to recording that i think it's in two weeks today we're gonna we're gonna record that so uh that should be good. It's a nice short film. So as long as Megan, <laughs> so I think she's joining us that week. As long as she can keep uh, keep things under wraps, we'll be all right that night. I think because I think this will be. We debated a lot during the previous one. I think there's gonna. That, I don't know if there'll be like debate, debate, but it it'll be between what do you think is a good <sighs> film and what has your favorite count. You've that, got that's that kind of thing. You've got to think that it's going to be the thing that probably has the highest amount of access for everybody. The yeah. odds of someone going, I don't really know too much about this. Megs doesn't know a ton of Marvel, but she's the exception. There are four of us. We're all fairly well versed in it. Mm. I've there's only two that I haven't seen as of yet. I've not seen the only two I've not seen are the two most recent. I haven't seen Ant Man. I haven't seen Guardians. 3. I've seen both of those, yeah. but I haven't seen Black Panther two, and I haven't seen Captain Marvel. 
I like two. I like them both, but they're two very different like Marvel films in the same yeah. way. And now people, I wouldn't say they're turning on Black Panther two, but it's more going oh. one one of our leads, uh, Tenok Kuerta, who plays Namor the Submariner. Uh, he has also had a Jonathan Majors esque. Uh, tur- yeah, he he's he's been uh, he's now been accused and arrested of. Worse things than Majors. Uh, Jeez. It seems like for like a decade or 15 years, the Mm. MCU was dodging every bullet and DC was getting hit by them all. And now. I think the worst thing the MCU had was Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder. And even then, that wasn't a big controversy because that was before that. That was even before the film Iron Man 1 released. Yeah. So that was all kind of done and dusted by the time he hit. Yeah. Uh, maybe James Gunn, but even that got sorted. Even that got sorted, and it was in it was in the interim. Yeah, it's really really weird. Um, let's go ahead and say uh, this. Uh, I'm have to do a little bit of this on the fly. I didn't type them out this week, which I usually do. But it's time for well, some reflections. Ooh, and correction. Very good. Uh, usually, uh, I have these split up into two things. This and our general shout outs. Today is going to be more of a free scroll and sort of scene. Uh, what's going on? Um, I'm going to scroll back all the way to where we're supposed to go. Just some quick thoughts. I uh, carry uh, numbers wise. Carrie did worse than Sleepless in Seattle on day one, but it's going to beat it by like thirty something percent on oh. like on like the first week. So it was just a bit of a slow burn. Uh, so that's uh quite a bit. We had lots of messages from Carlo about our uh, best rock songs. Uh, he shouted me out for not voting for Rush. And I'm like, dude, I love Rush, but it, I, I got to give my top three. So they don't crack my top five in my mm-hmm. life. Uh, I do like Rush. Uh, but he goes, I don't know who if I would have voted for them, but I want to show some love for Linkin Park, System of a Down, and My Chemical Romance. I think you and Carlo have similar musical tastes. Yeah. Maybe not the Linkin Park, but definitely My Chemical Romance. Yeah, and System of Down, I think Megan brought that to the table. So, yeah, there's some people who respect his musical taste. I am not one of them. Uh, So there we go. I want to give some love out to the Ratchet Book Club for uh, spreading the love of the BFE. Much appreciated there. Um, Carlo did say one thing's for sure. I won't. I won't throw a bucket of pig blood on you. Thanks for the shout out. Hey, no, no worries there, brother. Uh, please do, please do. So, um, where else are we at here? We've got our Russell the Post. He says, "I've definitely seen all the horror you've done in the past. I shouldn't have said this was the first time you've done a proper horror movie, though. I forgot. Scream, Get Out, and Silence of the Lambs. Maybe that's there's a mistake." Although, to be fair, Russell, I mean, have we done a true horror film yet? I don't know. See, I class Carrie and Silence of the Lamb as more as... Silence of a Lamb I put as a thriller. Carrie, I guess the supernatural element gives it an air of horror. If this is is a type of horror, I like this type of horror. I'd be well up for this kind of horror from now on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's such a big genre with really frustrating subgenres because you yeah. have like y- your screamers which are like just massive jump scares your found footage all that and you can have stuff that isn't like it's just unknown the yeah the unknown kind of thing instead of just here's a screamer in your face like every couple minutes is get out a horror film i could teach get out next year i'm not going to but it, it's, it's an option um is get out a proper horror film film uh, i class it more as a thriller i think us is more of a horror us is terrifying 
Yeah, so I haven't seen that, it but... It has more horror gore elements than Get Out. But... See, because Scream was so meta, I was just like, this is really clever. That's not, I mean, yeah. so all the horror stuff kind of got in the way of me going, it's not a horror movie, it's a... It's a critical analysis of what makes a horror film. I thought it was brilliant. I, like I really a horror do. Horror satire, horror comedy type. While movie. still being a horror. Yeah. Like, uh, that's the problem. When you get fight number three, they kind of forget and just start. They, st- they stop doing the, the sort of satire or the irony, and they just make it a straight horror. Not a good one. Uh, but, but the first one was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Russell said he also posted GIF of the Week last week, Jack Nicholson, because uh, Jack Nicholson's a private eye in Chinatown. I'm like, uh, yeah, cool. Just that couldn't couldn't reference it. Uh, Josh makes favorite movie again. People people are slamming on my GIF of the Week choices, uh, <laughs> saying Baldwin was definitely lackadaisical as a nomination, but you had mentioned Thirty Rock, so I took a chance. Hey, nothing wrong with taking a chance and playing the player. Well mm-hmm. done, well done. In, in, in a weaker week, it would have been a uh, a bigger player. Uh, he asks and says, I, he thought we were a bit hard on the dream sequence uh, for Carrie last week because you're watching this in 2023 and not a horror fan, in ni- uh, not a horror fan, full stop. In 1976, that wasn't a horror trope. This movie pretty much created a last minute jump scare. I still prefer Friday the 13th use of it, but uh, but I st- but it stole it from here. Hey, man, I'll take your uh, t- I'll, I'll take your word for it. Uh, yeah, it, it does. The problem, unfortunately, with Carrie is that I'm watching it biographically. So for the same reason, when I first saw Goodfellas, I wasn't blown away because I, you know, it kind of reminded me a lot of Wolf of Wall Street. Now, Wolf of Wall Street came out second, but I'd seen it first. I can't go to a world where I hadn't seen that. So I fully acknowledge that, hey, you may be right. Maybe it invented it. Um, interesting little factoid. Uh, I just think it's a stronger film if we just end with the, with the house collapsing. I'm just not a fan of the dream. Uh, in, any, in any horror film when they do that, I, I find it funny in was it Nightmare on Elm Street that ends with that. Uh, because it's a silly film, but with this, I was really invested just more in like a the tragedy of it, and it kind of took away. Yeah, because from me, it, but like it, it's it's a subjective thing if you like horror. Carrie coming back to the ground, I mean, it takes away the impetus of the, of, of, of the character. She wasn't this mm-hmm. like supernatural. Oh, she's got telekinesis, I guess, but she wasn't this like demon on the quest for blood. If anything, most of it was just you know accidental when she suffered severe trauma, for which this girl wasn't even there for. Mm. So, yeah, just an interesting thought. Uh, Dwayne Smith asked, was I disqualified from GIF of the Week? I went, no, you weren't. You weren't. We talked about how, I said, I'm pretty sure I talked about it. And he went, you specifically, you said you mentioned it and suggested he was detective, to which Georgia emphatically agreed, which hurt a little. I can't lie. And then moved on to uh, whatever the next one was. I, I would just say this, uh, Dwayne, we're big fans of accuracy here at the BFE. <laughs> So, um, something we actually, a hundred percent honesty. We went, we actually had a conversation very, very early where I said, look, if no hurt feelings, if someone has a correct, has the correct information, someone's made a mistake, the person who's got that correct information should jump in. It's kind of the, 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 the inspiration behind the yellow button and celebrating our mistakes is going, look, we just want to be as accurate as possible. And if George has got a, a fact that I don't know, I'm not going to get, mo- well, you always corrected me. No, no, no. I, I absolutely want to be corrected. So uh, in this regard, we're just sort of correcting uh, whether he was a private eye or not. That's all we saying. Uh, much more Carlo talking about uh, <laughs> the music round. He really got invested into it. Problem was a couple of weeks out. I'm not going <laughs> to go through a bunch of multi-week uh, things here. Uh, where are we at now? Oh, geez. He's talking about Floyd and Zeppelin. He said I was right about something, so I appreciate that. 
we we had we had a, a new listener called Nicole who recommended we should do Ever After or Phantom of the Opera 2004. I'll say Ever After qualifies. <laughs> so I don't think I know what Ever After is. Ever After is like a Cinderella retelling with Drew Barrymore in the title role. Okay. It's very famous. It's like 2000. Uh, it's very early 2000s. Very late. Maybe it's 98. Actually, I want to say it's 98. Now I'm typing it. Ever After. Uh, 1998 look at that not too shabby um it's weird i see it like on like the flick chart screen with like i kind of always it's probably just repetition of me ranking movies so frequently but that sort of ingrained itself into my brain uh i've lost my uh thing there we are uh David from Skeptical continues to fight the Magnum PI vote from last. <laughs> was, was this two weeks ago? Was this last week? I forget. So just that was when, whenever we did Sleepless. So yeah, yeah like yeah. a week or so. So just a clarification on gift of the week. I chose pies because Liam said pie is the word of the week, and I thought pie equals three point one four one five, etc. So I was trying to match Magnum PI with pie, so it didn't work. I don't understand how it makes make, how it makes three point one four the. Uh, the joke in question i think come on dude own your joke own your joke it was definitely a joke about uh about pies with uh, cream as a as a significant ingredient let's just uh let's 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 just, let's just take the l on this one <laughs> but thank you for playing uh where are we at here i'm just scrolling we got tagged in a lot of other random stuff i'm just scrolling uh oh we got some so gift of the week i'll hit him as, as we go through it it was obviously bucket this week uh one of the first one was uh, uh there was a wrestler called i think it's duke the dumpster drossy who used to carry a bucket full of slop on his with him to the ring and it's just a gif of him dumping it on his head i hated duke the dumpster drossy so unfortunately it's not to your uh it's not to your uh that's a horrific benefit. gimmick. I don't. I don't get how that would be a fun gimmick. It was a bad time in the in the, in, in the WWF, as it was called then, where it was called the New Generation, and, and McMahon basically the guy who ran it, Vince McMahon basically went, mm. you know, everybody needs a job, and so all the wrestlers had gimmicks that were jobs, and so his job was he was a garbage man. Oh, this doesn't do the dumpster drossy. Who is this? Oh, my, my own little boy. Henry Godwin. Henry Godwin was a pig farmer. That's it. And so this is like pig slop. Yeah, gross. Oh, but the fact that we had that and there was a guy who was a garbage man called Duke the Dumpster Drossy gives you an eye. Like, there was there was everything. It was And, and they, they weren't very good. So, yes. Uh, Russell the Posty had a gift of the week nomination of, uh, oh, what's his name from, from the IT crowd? Not Moss, but the other one. Oh, Roy. Roy eating some bu- a chicken out of a bucket called Chicken Feast. Um, Ian Anthony and Davies has a Star Trek uh, movie of the original series. Uh, just as Excelsior, why in God's name would you want that bucket of bolts? Uh, sorry, it's not going to be a winner this week. <laughs> it, it technically has a uh, has it, but uh, but no. Doctor Diablo uh, also did the uh, IT crowd, to which Russell was like, "No, you've just eliminated <laughs> both of us." And I'm like, "I'm pretty sure it's dude's first time playing the game." Um. Yeah, it's 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 very interesting. Um, new Twitter account uh, follows the only five people following are b- members of the BFE universe. So I'm hoping this isn't a burner account where Hermes is trying to like do a second go at everything. I don't think it is. 
Dr. Diablo, welcome. Uh, please continue. I, I did say submit a second option, to which point uh, I was accused of favoritism, and I went, it's his first time. Let him have a second go. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, Chris Peterson, very funny gif of someone putting a bucket on someone else's head and then putting one on his own. So that when they look or turn around, they're both taking buckets off their head and acting like they have no idea what's going on. <laughs> really funny. Videos. Really, really funny. Um, there's some conversation, Carlo, about the sitcom thing we talked about last week where uh, it was uh, how old school sitcoms parody traditional sitcom tropes. And he mentions things like Reginald Vell Johnson as a cop, Carl Winslow on Family Matters, Al Bundy as a shoe store uh, worker on Married with Children, Roseanne and Roseanne. Now, I do think you're actually, Carlo, naming with those last two, two of the zeitgeist where we actually de-glamorized because, you know, I can... I can meet your uh, those two with a Cosby show where the guy's a surgeon. Like, you know, for the most part, the families had really, really good jobs. That's why Married Children and Roseanne were so successful is because they were the the, the aberrations. But also a play with, with your theory here. Both those shows, you never watch them at this job for if you got a, a scene of Al at the woman's shoe store in an episode that would have been kind of noteworthy you probably got one scene of roseanne at work in an episode depending on which season it was but you didn't sit there and have the whole episode watching them do their job and even if they were at their job there was a narrative that was taking place at their job as opposed to i'm watching him sell insurance now i understand you can say that's what the parody is and that's where we'll 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 go i agree if he was a rock star he's not a true man it's not reality tv but i just don't understand how it stay i don't understand how, how it keeps an audience that that's that's my so i'm sort of dealing with the universe of the film not so much i just realized this is about truman show <laughs> yeah sorry it's truman show reference i'm mixing things up all over the place uh so uh josh makes a movie uh, again gave us some love and recommendations to the people really really appreciate it. anybody who spreads the love of the bfe uh Dwayne smith goes uh he submitted for gift of the week an office reference of steve Carell saying it feels like someone took my heart and dropped it into a bucket of boiling tears emotive emotive i feel like i've been soaked with boiling tears it's it's very hot today it is very hot today um these are all things we're going to talk about later uh because it's all stuff about raiders uh i think we're good so um second place went to chris peterson in the bucket swap but the winner the winner which is actually put in our patreon group group chat so uh it's interesting that it went there instead but the winner is uh richard our resident curmudgeon um who did joey tribbiani also eating a bucket of chicken so very similar to the it crowd but it's the one where he says look i'm only eating the skin so the chicken's up for grabs which uh i think is just a wonderful disgusting joke and something that i think i wish if they could find me a way ethan to just sell me chicken skins if that could be a thing i would be all in on that when i was a kid that was my favorite part of 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 the kfc but I think it's because also British KFC has, was so bad for so long. The only thing that was nice was just the seasoning. Yeah, I don't get, I don't get KFC. It's not really media madness, but we should totally do best fast food restaurant for a tournament <laughs> one time. Because that'd be, that'd be a great conversation. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the hard part is where it gets ge- geographical and you go, what do you mean you don't have Nando's? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Nando's clears. That, that, that's the only thing. I, I bloody love a Nando's. 
Um, but yeah, so like, uh, I only get KFC about once every two years. And then I get like a big old, like mega bucket meal. So it lasts me like two and a half days with like all the sides and fixings and yada, yada, yada. The salads. Gravy, baked beans. Oh, gravy's a must. Gravy's a must. And, uh, that's, you know, but, and then I kind of go, I remember why it's been two years and then I don't do it for two years. And then I'll go, I haven't had KFC in a while. I should, I should get that. I should. So, yeah. So there we are. So that's kind of our shout outs and our um, gift of the week, all that stuff, reflections, corrections, all in one go. So thank you. Sorry, a little more, bit more disorganized than usual. Um, strange day, strange weekend. Uh, because I don't know, I, I was away at the baseball this weekend, actually. I'll yeah. talk about it now. Yeah, yeah. So I was, uh, I went and saw London was hosting Major League Baseball between the Chicago Cubs and the St. Louis Cardinals. And I would argue, in all seriousness, 60% of the attendance was American based. Oh, wow. Whether it's Americans who live on military bases or something here, or it's expats living over here, or people who traveled to watch the game. There was one guy sitting behind me. He flew into London that morning. He was going to watch the game yesterday. He was going to watch the game this afternoon, and he was going to, he's going to fly home tonight. Oh my god! I'm like that is commitment. Mm. That dude's got disposable income, but I can't even theorize. But no, the, the another woman behind me, she was uh, she traveled for for the game, and these are people who are young. They're in like they're like you know twenties and thirties. I was like, wow. I guess probably you don't have kids yet, so you can afford to do these sorts of trips. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, definitely a lot of, com- a lot of funny conversations around me. Maybe I'll share them in a minute. One of them, but no. So, uh, I did say, uh, this kind of brings into me weight game, weight game. Let's all play the weight game. Um, cause I had mentioned that I was going to eat like I was going to a baseball game. That was the plan. So, uh, on the way down, I realized cause the game, we weren't getting down there until about four thirty, five o'clock. And I hadn't eaten yet, so I'm like, I'm getting ready to drive down to meet my friend out in Barry St. Edmonds, we're going to drive down together. And uh, it was, uh, so I did stop by McDonald's and sort of did a pre-meal, well, not a pre-meal meal, that's just A, gross, and B, inaccurate. <laughs> I got lunch. And um, so, yeah, I, I had myself like like a nice little like chicken crispy spicy sandwich thing and uh, and some matzo bites and, and a, a couple of pops so I could like, you know, as I was driving, it was a hot day. But I went for low calorie options there because you know, <laughs> can I get the thing with the extra cheese bites? But a diet coke, please. You know, coke zero, please. I'm watching. I'm watching my <laughs> caloric intake, which is the grand scheme of things. I am reducing it by like 180 calories. So there's something yeah. to be said for that. You're doing something. Something. But uh, then I went down, and I've never spent more. So I got a bottle, a 600 mil bottle of Coke Zero, a you know, a relatively full tray of fries and their burger. And the burger was fantastic. I was kind of hoping we'd go for hot dogs. My buddy was really jonesing for a burger. And I was like, you don't quite get the cultural impact of baseball yet. You go and you get hot dogs. But I was like, all right, we'll, 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 we'll get burgers. You were at West Ham uh, yep. as well, weren't you? Yeah. Yep. So it was like this burger with cheese and like a hash brown in it and like some sort of smashed fried onion and this barbecue flavored coleslaw. So I thought I was, it was going to be dry and it would need some sauce. But I, I, I just went fine. I can't have any more hands anyway, so I'll carry it up. Oh, it's fantastic. But what do you think that combo cost me? Oh, God. Uh, I'm going to see. I don't know if I'm overestimating. I'm going to say 35. Okay, you're, you're definitely high. Oh. <laughs> But twenty two, twenty two. The burger by itself would have been fourteen fifty, and I was oh my like, God. "Whoa!" 
I'll tell you what, if any burger was ever worth fourteen fifty, this was a good burger. This was a good burger. The fries, they called them skin-on fries. There's no skin on these fries. It was just open up a pack from Tesco and throw them in the fryer. That's all that was. They were cooked well, but they were just run-of-the-mill fries. No salt. It could have used salt. Uh, so I finished, uh, I did go away and I was up half a pound this week, but I was like, I'm okay. I'm okay. Cause it proved the seven and a half the week before was legit. Mm. I didn't bounce back plus three. So I was like, all right, it legitimizes that and I'll keep with it. And I was going grocery shopping right afterwards too. And I was like, Oh no. Uh, but actually I went to the grocery store, no temptation, no anything. So that was good and kept on the straight and narrow all week minus that. So I was weighing in down four pounds or something midweek. So I'm hoping I'll take a loss of at least a couple of pounds with, with my big Saturday even in there. So I feel, and the best part is I feel good. So I feel That's better. That's the best part as well. Yeah. And I'm eating pro, not that I eat a whole lot of processed food because, because I don't, but I am cooking with more raw ingredients and that's always good. Yeah. That's always good. Less jars of sauce and more let's make things for myself. So yeah, it helps with the heat because half the reason that oh. I don't I don't cook much in the summer, um, because all it is I just I just get salad and then maybe I make like a, a barbecue burger or something. But it's just salad because it's cold. Yeah. I get my veggies and then but by that point I'm like cool. I'll just I don't want to be in the kitchen for too long. I've been eating a lot of amped up pasta salads this week. Mm-hmm. So you know a lot of chicken. And a lot of uh, various greens and spices, and I'm learning how to use Greek yogurt as like a uh, a sour cream or a saw, you know, a thickening sort of saw yeah, substitute, and then spicing that up. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a tuna salad will be made as soon as we are done this. So there, there is that Love because it is too hot. It's too hot to even think about cooking chicken. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm just gonna boil some pasta. It's the only heat I want. Mm-hmm. Although the humidity is not nearly as bad as it was midweek. I'll say that much. It's hotter, though. It's 30-something degrees. Oh, yeah. I went outside, and I'm like, why is my house not worse than it is? And then I went outside, and it felt, you know, tolerable. Um, and then I looked at the humidity race, and it was only for 40-something percent. And I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's quite reasonable. I went to the coast yesterday, and we were like, okay, we'll go in the afternoon because it won't be too too hot for the dog, and it'll be fine. And we got there, and it wasn't hot. It's was just so humid because we were like, we just want fish and chips. Walked to the fish and chip place from the the car park, and by the time we got there, I was like, I want to go home. Already. It's so it's so humid. Is this on Staten you're at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had their own little Glastonbury bear. It was terrible. Oh, is it really? <laughs> it was so bad. Festival twos. I'm going to be in Hunt Staten a lot next week. I'm. Uh, we're having to record on a different day. I don't know if you saw the message. Hopefully. Uh, but we'll talk about it. We have to record on a different day next week because uh, Ethan, no, Ethan, Liam and I are both involved in this one-act festival up in Hunstanton. So he's in a performance, and I'm judging all the performances. <laughs> oh, I've, I've missed those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That hit, that hit me with some nostalgia. It's been like four years, I think, yeah. since I did the last one. So pretty much then I go up, and I basically do what I do on the pod, except for I have to do it live in front of people. And so you try and keep it positive and you're like, you have a couple of basically three minutes of it of like improv comedy off the top of your head with like just these notes to a, to a, to a live audience. So, uh, the first year I felt like a fraud last year. I'm like, yeah, I got doing the pod's been so helpful for, for my public speaking. Oh yeah. So helpful. I had a lot of like, um, was it, um, when, when you don't feel sh- imposter syndrome, when, mm. when we first started doing this, because I talked to someone, especially because I do a film class as well, that I'm like, if, if someone wants my opinion in the class, well, like, I, we have to give it out. I'm like, I don't really feel I'm I'm ready to do this. Yeah. But after, uh, it was last year, the year before, when the Norwich Film Festival, like, yeah, 
You guys could review our stuff if you want. I went, yeah. Oh, oh, we we're, we're kind of legit doing this. Oh, this is great. That's one of the big missed ones for me is the idea mm. because it was, I think because it was all online. It was all online. <sighs> and I think the school semester had just started because it was September. Yeah, it, it was hard. Whereas, you mm. know, and then we're just in a queue of everybody else just doing their requests. And it was easy to kind of ignore ours. And I think if we'd been there along with everybody else and grab people in the moment, I think that could have, that could have worked. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I got to take another look and see if, uh, Maybe another year we can get back down there, but uh, I might have even been the same sort of weekend as this, where I was doing. Mm-hmm. This is the third year I'm doing the. Uh, I was exam marking last year. It's really it's just a busy time of year. Oh yeah. Um, why not give us? Speaking of reviewing, why not give us a review? Apple or Spotify? I hear five stars is a nice number. Five is the magic number, and we do have a review actually by oh, nice. uh, Shamiknit, who said first of all. I really have a preference for long episode podcasts, multiple hosts, and where they dig deep into things I enjoy. In this case, movies I've already watched or I'm thinking of watching. I found this podcast while searching for some of my favorite movies by episode and couldn't stop adding more and more to my playlist. I love the chemistry of the hosts, and I never feel shut out by the in-jokes, nor do I ever feel talked down to. I enjoy the opinions and the breakdown of the movies. Thank you for providing such an enjoyable podcast. Again, I love the length. I feel like I can, get, I can just get right into it. Sometimes a pod will get into it, talk for half an hour, and then see you next week when we talk about <laughs> dot, dot, dot. So cozy up, grab a snack, and you won't regret it. Five stars. Thank you very much. Nice. Yeah, it's so sweet. Yeah, the in-jokes. Um, mm. That's something I try really, really hard. Because uh, I believe that if you're going to be decent at doing a podcast, you need to be listening to other people's podcasts to sort of calibrate yourself. And one of my biggest bugbears is when they have in-jokes that exclude the audience. Mm. And I've said we can have in-jokes, but the in-jokes have to bring people in, and we bring them into the joke. Or at least we reward people and we explain it's a deep cut or a long time, but it's a joke from the pod. Then you can have an in-joke if it's a pod-based joke. Yeah. But if I just start talking to you, Ethan, about something you and I experienced outside of the pod and we don't bring anybody into it and that's that's exclusionary and that's stupid if you (laughs) doesn't make any sense let's have a conversation you want to listen to it and let me make you feel like you're shut out and then speaking down to i like that because Mm. it's 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 interesting we do kind of go about a a bunch of different sort of uh topics whether some of them might be filmic some of them might be social yada 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 and the goal is to inform at times dare i even say to educate but but never to make the audience feel like we're patronizing them in the same way that i don't feel hopefully uh if i'm saying something that that uh, georgia or yourself or ethan or megs haven't heard before hopefully i'm not coming across as patronizing when i'm explaining it to them and i think it's hopefully just an extension of that or on, on the other case if liam's sharing something i don't know or or yourself or uh, or georgia or, or or Megs, uh, you know, when she's not jumping ahead to the end of the movie. Um, yeah, hopefully that's what we go for. So I, I really enjoyed that review. So thank you very much, Shmukant, for taking the time to uh, to go into so much detail. I really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so um, I don't know. Like we said, oh, I keep f- forgetting to uh, to change this uh, um to get rid of the old podcast i'm gonna have to do it again this week (laughs) it's almost become like a weekly feature of the pod where i go ahead and do that but i'll tell you what else is a weekly feature of the pod it's where i do this checking in with the morning report (laughs) 
Oh, I'll tell you what, that feels almost too cheery, but I feel like we should talk about it because it's dominated the news cycle this oh, week. Oh, I already know this is going. Yeah, uh, we got to talk about what happened with, with the sub. Yeah, <laughs> legally it can't be called a submarine, it has to be called submersible. a submersible. The submersible, yeah. yeah. Every day I find a new piece of information about that thing, and it, it just makes it so much, one, so much worse, so much more stupid, and also just baffling. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think my stance is this. Um, the company, whichever, I imagine it's it's criminally liable in whatever country the business is registered in, would be my assumption, because mm-hmm. the incident itself happened in international waters. So there's got to be some way that they can be held legally responsible. You'd hope so. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's got to be. There's got to be. Um, <laughs> you know, if I go out and take you onto a boat and shoot you in the head in the middle of the Atlantic, <laughs> I imagine someone's got to go. Well, it's international waters. He gets away. Nah, it can't be that simple. It's got to be, be something else. <laughs> Uh, so, so I hope you know the proper procedures and due diligence are done, and if found to be uh, criminally responsible, then I hope they're prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Um, yeah, because that's that's the right thing to do. There seems to be this two strands of public response or two major trends of public response on social media, especially oh, Twitter. Twitter's been a nightmare, especially Twitter. And the first is, and Facebook's been not, not much better. I'm going to try and make jokes and, 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 and make funny off of this. Yeah. So, you know, um, picture any gif where it's raining or something's crashing into something or yeah, and then make a joke about it. All right. And then the second one is this F all billionaires. They deserve to die. And I'm like, look, do I think there should be billionaires in the world? No, I don't. I don't. I think if you have a billionaire, then we have a system where that's broken because no one should be that rich when we have so many people who are that poor. Yeah. Um, you know, you can talk me into a millionaire. You can't talk me into a billionaire. But in that sub, there's a bunch of people who 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 are dying before they should because someone sold them a bill of goods. There's something to be said about the arrogance of a company in promising they can do something like this, and it's. It's it's the a cruel symmetry that it's the, it's the Titanic. It's mm-hmm. a cruel sim, you know, with rich people and this idea of we're going to go ahead and set the world's fire. You know, we do what couldn't be done before, and then the you know the cruel symmetry that it's called Titan. Um, but yeah, like there was like a nineteen year old from the University of Glasgow on, on that sub who had a whole lifetime ahead of himself, and it didn't. Uh, which, whichever way they die, it's like the worst way to die. There's not like a good one in them. I remember because they, as far as everyone's aware, the, the submersible has has imploded within like I think they said the implosion was thirty milliseconds at best. So at, at best, completely painful. At worst, they they've still they've still you know imploded. The thing that really has like gotten me is I've gone oh okay I don't I billionaires whatever like this is a horror horrifying thing to do um like for anyone the ceo of the company is on there people are saying that's karma's going that it it um it's his his own ego killed him short whatever that 19 year old kid did not want to go no, on no there were those text messages where he was he wasn't wanting and then i found out that there was another dad and son who were originally going to go on uh if um and the the two the father and son that did die it basically sort of replace them because they didn't 
want to go on. Oh, and this this from the text that the guy released, the CEO was very sort of aggressive about it and being like, "No, it's completely safe. You're being stupid. It's completely safe. Come on, you you should do it." Um, th- this whole thing's awful. Like, I keep finding you. Obviously, uh, if if you didn't know, this is a sub. This is a submersible to see the Titanic. Um. And the thing that kind of blew my mind is you're seeing it one through a TV. The only window is in the toilet. It's like, I think they said it's the size of like a minivan and you can't really move around. It's piloted by a game controller, which is completely wireless and uses Bluetooth and the connection isn't great. Um, and they screwed in like the TV into carbon fiber, which apparently, and there's been no no source to like back it up fully, but it's what the articles all seem to go with, is the carbon fiber was uh like half price because it's kind of gone out of date in the way that it's even more like dangerous. So the whole thing is like under under that pressure, carbon fiber is very flimsy material at best. So like none of this is 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 good. And then also they they kind of wanted this to also prove to like oil companies as a way to transport oil so this this whole thing is just gross and upsetting like the entire thing could have been so avoided but ego and hubris i forgot there was a third type of feedback which was how dare all of you care about these people and not care about <laughs> insert tragedy x here i do both and, and, and my response is it's not a twitter poll you can you can you mm. can care about both it's not you can only select one if you're going in your head oh you know, oh, damn it. I just found out there was this other tragedy, but I've already cared about the submersible. <laughs> like, there's room in your heart for both. That day I was watching news going, oh, what's going on with the submersible? Oh, what's going on in Ukraine? What's happening yeah. here? I'm a, I'm a, like, I'm a very sort of like, I like to think about multiple things and also like hyper fix out on one thing, but I'm also just a human being that can process multiple things. But I I love Twitter. Twitter is just a terrible, terrible thing. Uh, every day I, I keep going, I should go off Twitter. And then I don't. Well, someone asked me, why do you think this one's taking people's attention so big? Because I was pretty late on the train. But I went, okay, I think it's a couple of things. Number one, it's the, it's the Titanic. Yeah. Like, that's got name value. You know what I mean? Number two, it was a race, as far as we knew at the time. It was a race against time. Oh, yeah, Usually right, when a tragedy right. happens, we find out about it and the end product all in the same report. Mm. A plane crash in the middle of the Atlantic. Here's the pictures. That's it, right? It's done. But this is no different than when you had, I don't know, there was like, a, I don't know, how many years ago was it? There were those miners who got stuck in the mine for, oh, you know what yeah. I mean? And yeah, we, and we the, all became obsessed with it. Miners? And no yeah. one was going, how dare you care about the Chilean miners and not care about that? No, no, because it was a race against time. And when you have those sorts of moments... That happens. And then as it bore out, what happens, you could have a conversation with your colleague, and then you could both go check it out, and you'd talk about it the next day, unfortunately. And you go, I remember sitting there on my lunch break going, oh, the first deadline's passed of what we thought was the the end of the air. And there was like, a, you know, on day four, it's like, oh, there's like, uh, they're hearing sounds. Maybe they're hearing knocking sounds. I remember like, I'd get these BBC News push notifications yeah. being like, 90 there's like 78 hours of air is is apparent this is the like the final 24 hours and you're going oh okay we've re-. and then it passed yeah. over to 12 and like i remember sitting in the in the room and I, my friends who were like this is very silly and stupid but also taking it seriously just went it's hit that time i feel a wave of something over me because i feel like 
it's now. I, yeah, I checked my, my, I was eating my lunch at work, which happens around one fifteen. Like 12 08, yeah. And they said to me, you know, I was getting all these, all these uh, news things that said, you know, it, it's the, the, the deadline has passed. And we're like, oh, shoot. And then, then the U.S. Coast Guard said, no, no, there's a second deadline. There's a much, much, there's a much, much later deadline. I was like, oh, I've already started to process this. I don't know. Because you can't do it again. In the pit of your stomach, you're like this. Even if it's like two days, three days, it is, even if you could find them, you would, it's better that we didn't find them because we can't get them back up. Oh, yeah. That was the other thing. The other thing that made me lose my mind about this Um even if they like reach the surface, somehow like the submersible got to the surface, they can't escape because it's bolted from the outside, which is a fascinating concept. You also like, I mean, this whole thing's awful. When you're as low as they are on the ocean floor, like you somehow have to be able to because you can't send someone out there. The pressure's too great; it'll kill you. Yeah. So you have to find a way to sort of tow this thing back up to the surface, but you can't go too fast, or else you you know. They'll, yeah. you know, the, the, the pressure won't work. It's, oh, that would be worse if you got down there in time and went, knew you were powerless to do anything. The whole thing was, is, is a terrible concept. And I, I hate every, every moment of it because it's all I could think about for most of the week until Thursday. And I went just there, there's no possible outcome where I go, this is good. There's no, there's no, there was no. The second they went in the water, there there wasn't a a moment of like a happy outcome. Uh, that that that's that's the worst part to me. I was too young to know the Challenger shuttle explosion. Oh yeah, but this feels like it's that. It's like that sort of a moment. It's it's not it's not nine eleven. Nine eleven's a whole nother level. Yeah. But as far as like an isolated incident to a small number of people that had giant waves across global. A global situation. It feels like that. All right. So remember when I said earlier, oh, I got to stop this. I forgot to do that. And so I just realized we've, we've, we've missed. It's the danger with not having the other two around looking at the machine is that when it stopped, I didn't notice. So we've actually went about 20 minutes, probably maybe more than that. And uh, we're going to have to redo it. We're not going to do 20 minutes worth. I'm going to shorten this down. So let's go ahead and talk about uh, why are we doing this? Of course, Indiana Jones 5 is coming out. Yeah, He's an octogenarian. And we did talk <laughs> briefly about do we have any interest in if they expand this universe? See, I want to see, the, I want to see this film because I, I did get lucky and I got to see like an extended sneak peek uh, back in April when I went to Celebration. And the footage looked really good. Uh, that might have also been the high that I had of being in in the same room as the cast and being able to be like very close to them. But it looked fun. But I don't want to see any more. I have belief I'm- in Phoebe Waller Bridge, so yeah. I think she'll do all right. But I just wanted to be. Now the danger is, can they just let the IP rest? Because it's not the Star Wars universe. Because Indiana Jones's universe is our universe. Yeah, it, it's one of those things that like I remember. There was that thing years. I think the main reason uh, Harrison Ford did this is everyone's like, "Oh, we should get Chris Pratt to do it, make a reboot." And he was like, "No, it's me." When in, when I die, Indiana Jones dies, and I'm fine with that. Yeah. This is the only it's the only thing that he uh, he performs in that he cares about. Because when he talks about Indiana Jones, he has passion in his voice. When he talks about uh, Han Solo, that he can see like a paycheck just in the background. So let's just go ahead and throw to Felix. 
1936, archaeologist and adventurer Indiana Jones is hired by the U.S. government to find the Ark of the Covenant before the Nazis can obtain its awesome powers. Boom, boom. Yeah, awesome powers. Sounds like Austin Powers. Um, <laughs> this is, I mean, let's hit the, uh, the headlines. Directed by Stephen King. Yeah, you, you know who's uh, not Stephen, Stephen King. King? Steven Spielberg. <laughs> um, and that, you, that was the last film. And you know the, 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 the litany of great films put out yeah. by uh, Steven Spielberg. Um, you know, he's just come off Jaws, really. I mean, he's not that far removed from it at this point. But, you know, this is a guy who hasn't yet done E.T. or Jurassic Park or Schindler's List or Lincoln. Like, all this is to come. A screenplay written by Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, uh, also The Force Awakens. On a story by George Lucas and Philip Kaufman. Cinematography by Douglas Slocum, uh, who did uh, the original Italian job, amongst other films. Music by John Williams, who's done everything. If there's a film you've watched, 50% chance John Williams did the score. If you're uh, humming something, John's, uh, John Williams has already written it for you. Yeah, this is back to my thought. I really write Williams and I really write Zimmer. But I think Zimmer's a master of scoring a film. I think Williams is a master of doing the theme you'll hum on the way out. Yeah. yeah, Zimmer gets like atmosphere when you're watching a film in a cinema. Yeah, Williams is you you, you remember all those great sort of th- whatever it is. It's probably going to be a yeah, it's going to be yeah. Williams. Yeah. yeah. So let's jump into uh, the, what, was the first time we saw this. I think did both of us save it. This wasn't the first film we watched. I this was the first one I I watched. Oh, was it okay? Because like, yeah, whenever they came out on DVD, so like two thousand six, two thousand seven. It was a little box set that had the first three and like a bonus documentary about the making. So I, I watched that. And this was before Crystal Skull had trailers or ads. So this was me just going, Indiana Jones sounds like a cool thing. I'll watch that. And then a magical gift was bestowed to me of the fourth one. But, you know. Yeah. Uh, my uh, I remember my aunt, we were on holiday with her, and she took um, everybody to see... Uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and that was the first one I watched. And then I watched Temple of Doom, and then I watched uh, years later. I was asking Flitchart what was the most. Uh, not like it was like an AI. <laughs> I was just looking at a list of, of of films that people thought were really really highly rated that I hadn't seen yet. And amongst them was um, Raiders, and so I gave it a watch. And really wasn't uh, as impressed. It's the only time I've ever watched it before today. So interesting. Uh, let's do some context. Uh, I'll try and trim it up a little bit. George Lucas conceived of Raiders of the Lost Ark in 1973, shortly after finishing American Graffiti, a film that we will do at some point on the pod. Uh, he wanted to recreate some of the old serial films he had enjoyed as a youth, including things like Buck Rogers and Zorro and came up with a concept called the adventures of indiana smith but at the same time as he's trying to do this and thought of this character as an archaeologist who on these adventures and it's named after his legitimate dog um that's a joke that'll come around in two films time at the same time he was trying to get the rights to flash gordon and when he couldn't get the rights to flash gordon he starts doing star wars if you want the whole story about that about how star wars is basically his giant well if you won't give me flash gordon i'll do this instead go check out our first episode on on new hope way back in the day indiana smith is making me realize george lucas isn't good with like the first idea name for a film for star wars was originally going to be the Star Wars, A Tale of the Wills, starring <laughs> Mace Windu, a Jedi Bendu. Yeah, there we go. 
<laughs> so, uh, in 1975, Lucas discusses his idea with his friend Philip Kaufman, and they work on the story for two weeks. And um, Lucas imagined the character as a college professor, an archaeologist adventurer, uh, because he was he really has an interest himself in archaeology. He also wanted to be a nightclub patron and a womanizer. And Kaufman's kind of like, no, maybe we shouldn't do that. It does feel very James Bond, as we said in the first go around on this. Um, and he said, hey, what if he went after the Ark of the Covenant? Something he learned about from his dentist, his childhood dentist. Now, hey, Timmy, now that I've got you here, have you ever heard about the Ark of the Covenant? Where's the Ark of the Covenant? Spit. All right, the Ark of the Covenant is. Um, and it was playing off this idea. And yeah, that Hitler was deeply interested in the occult. He had a, definitely a spiritual side. And Lucas kind of goes, you get this. You should direct. Uh, but he was committed to this film instead, the outlawed Josie Wales. Talk about a missed opportunity. And so Lucas pauses the idea and again goes back to Star Wars. And then he's when Star Wars was released, he runs away to Hawaii in case it bombs. And he invites Spielberg to come with him. Oh, by Spielberg, I mean Steven Spielberg, in case you're confusing him with other Spielbergs. And Spielberg's talking about how I always want to do a James Bond film before I, I hang it up. And Lucas is like, let me pitch you this. I've got this guy called Indiana Smith. But I really don't want you I'm kind of feeling someone else out first. So... And when uh, Kaufman still couldn't do it months later, he does pitch Steven Spielberg. And I've gotten my notes. Imagine a world where Steven Spielberg is your second choice. It's a te- it's a very weird thing. I wonder what's different if he gets his first. Like, what happens to Indiana Jones in a world where that happens? I think. I don't know, because we were talking before, like, um we had to redo about um al pacino or yeah being uh, originally being wanted to be han and one of them was like i don't like this script how different that becomes because of all of that in the same way that when we get to the the original contenders for (sighs) indie but like when it comes it's the direct is even more different because it's such a different vision and atmosphere that can be given and spielberg just has that he has that understanding of where to the to just place a camera for the best um yes like atmosphere and also um oh what's the word uh, immersion as well yeah so uh yeah it's a shame they missed the <laughs> you're very good my very bad pacino impressions here as we were trying to talk <laughs> through it and i was <laughs> Pacino is Obi-Wan telling Luke, have you met your sister? She's got a great cast. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So uh, Lawrence Kasdan was hired to write the script. He'd only been writing for a a month, but Lucas read his first script and went, yep, bring him on. And so they worked um, over like a five-day weekend, and Kasdan went, oh, I get it. They just have three or five big sort of like set pieces with no story to link them together. How am I going to do this? And so he kind of runs between it and manages to make it work and submits his first draft in August 1978, but Spielberg goes, it's too long. And so Lucas and Kasdan pair together to trim it. Several elements that were cut are elements that would show up in Temple of Doom, including a trip to Shanghai that would lead to a minecart chase and Jones using a gong to shield himself from gunfire, as well as much of a love story. 
So the second version is completed by December 1979. And Lucas wanted to fund the film himself, couldn't do it, so he pitches it to studios, and they don't want to touch it because he wants Lucas wanted 20 mil. He wanted absolute creative control. He wanted all the licensing rights and all the sequel rights. And the studios went, nope, everybody passes on Indiana Jones. Everybody passes on Indiana Jones. And a big part of it. on Lucas. And Spielberg. Spielberg. And it was the Spielberg factor that caused him to pass because they went, he's not proven. The one thing we know about him is his films go over schedule and over budget. And so his most recent effort, a film called 1941, did so bad commercially. They kind of, and critically, they thought maybe he was done. And so Lucas says, I won't do it without Spielberg. And then jumps in talking the Mickey uh, legend, Michael Eisner, who at the time was heading Paramount Pictures. Uh, and he compromised with Lucas and said, you can have everything you want, but I want the sequel rights. Clever. It's Clever. It, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Eisner, I know people like it. Like It's really easy to, to shit on Eisner now because like where he put Disney in 2004, 2005. Yep. But the man got business. Yep. He just he just got it. Like he he really made Disney thrive. If you look at where I Disney think- is when he takes over and where Disney is when he leaves, even if it does go creatively down a bit of a dark path in two thousand four, like he's there he for the really Renaissance. Rescues it, yeah. yeah, he rescues it. Like it was the rescuers weren't rescuing it either up top or down <laughs> under. He does. So there you we get, go. What would you get during his tenure? You get Little Mermaid, Beauty and Aladdin, the Beast, Beauty and the Beast, Lion, Lion King, King, Pocahontas, Hercules hunchback and hunchbacks so many things, you know yeah. critically strong not maybe commercially strong but critically t- tarzan mm. mulan everything that kind of is the big thing like granted the big the, the first parts, three or yeah. four the big ones yeah but but you know they don't really do a bad one till and i'm talking bad as in like you know c- comparatively speaking yeah till like what not, tre- ho- not home on the range treasure planet yeah, yeah that's it that's a it it failed, but it did. But Atlantis, like, Atlant, yeah, those are films that did terribly. Yeah, but they, they have a big fan base now from like Lilo, Disney Plus, Lilo. Yeah, well, that, yeah, commercially somewhat better, because it's but still, yeah, yeah. merchandise it, it is where yeah, it's, it's really sore. And that's where all Disney's IP is. If you can mm. get, so that's the one thing that Lilo and Stitch is going for is is the IP around Stitch for licensing and merchandising. Yeah. Mm. Um, so both Lucas and uh, Spielberg get themselves salaries over a million dollars, and they both receive uh, profits, a share of the profits. So filming only lasted 73 days because there was so little interference. Lucas said it was the best experience he ever had because no one could tell him no, which I appreciate. Well, to be fair, after like the, the egregious time he has with A New Hope or just Star Wars, this is this is like a, this is literally a walk in the park. Like everyone was like, he nearly had a heart attack. No, he just had like a major, like the worst anxiety attack a man could have. Uh, we go to the deep dive and we start with Paramount Pictures. The old classic, almost like blue and white negative logo dissolves into a mound because it's something that Spielberg did when he was learning to make movies by himself at home. It's a pretty, it's a pretty dissolve. And like, fi- it just feels good. And a figure moves towards the mound with his back to us. We signify this as important. The, the guides discover a face carved in the rock and someone freaks out. But there's a second guy who doesn't freak out. He stands his ground because he's got four mechanical arms backing him up. Ethan, <laughs> who, who, who is this? 
This is Alfred Molina, Dr. Octopus. Yes, this is Alfred Molina, Doc Ock himself. Um, Two of the sidekicks, uh, one of which being Doc Ock, uh, figure out that they're being followed by locals with poisonous barbs, and we find out we're in South America, 1936. That specific region, South America. (laughs) The same way as when someone says, I live in Europe. It's just... That, that east part of Europe. Or you, you always find it on like videos where like, hey, can you name me three countries to big of a And someone goes, Africa. And it's like, nope, not a country. There's a really good book that I read last year called Africa is Not a Country. And it's very interesting just to hear the history of like the amount of scholars that have put in their articles. The country, Africa. Yeah. Um, our protagonist is still being hidden from us, but someone pulls a gun on him and he's disarmed by a bullwhip. And we meet Indiana Jones, played by Harrison Ford. Uh, he's a pretty man. He is Jones because Spielberg hated the name Indiana Smith, believing it would remind audiences of a Steve McQueen character, Nevada Smith. Uh, Lucas wanted Jones to be a practitioner of kung fu and a playboy, funding his lifestyle with the spoils of his adventures. But Spielberg and Kasdan felt the uh, character was complicated enough with just, you know, just make him an adventurer and, an, uh, you know, an academic. Um, Spielberg thought maybe he should be a gambler or an alcoholic, but Lucas went, no, I want him to be honest true and trusting and then we got the idea that lucas wanted him to have a romantic past with marion when she was 11 with the much older jones true and trusting i mean this luke i mean lucas has been married but he does come off with this like kind of childlike energy and maybe he doesn't see the inappropriateness of 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 that suggestion his mind is a wonderful thing, because half the time I hear, well, like, two-thirds of the time I hear the man speak, he talks about secrets that are yet to be unlocked. Like, you hear him talking documentaries during the prequels, and he's like, I'd really like to see a world where we can do films on a sound stage and we can have screens instead of green screens to help the actors. And that's the volume. Or he he goes, I really wish we could do digital film editing. He creates Premiere Pro. Yeah. But then sometimes he just says some some heinous things. Yeah, uh, for the record, Spielberg's response was, yeah, she'd she'd better be older. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Jones is written as an antihero, an archaeologist reduced to grave robbing, and Lucas wanted to cast a relatively unknown actor. This is about where we got to when I realized our error. So, including those were Bill Murray, Nick is, Nolte. Sorry, go ahead, Bill Murray. Bill Murray's an interesting one, especially with Marion, because I, I, how old is Bill? Well, Bill Murray's probably around the same age as Harrison Ford at that point. Yeah, but it's it, it's a lot more like cynical. There, there's another one later on where we go, oh, this is like this is like a sardonic Indiana Jones at that point. Yes, I agree with that. Um, Nick Nolte, which is an interesting choice. Uh, he can be. He can do the grouchy part really well. Yeah, Steve Martin. You get a very. Oh, I don't know. Play. I don't know how that works. Chevy Chase. I know how it works. It's just a much yeah. different film. Yeah. Tim Matheson. Don't know who that is. Nick Mancuso. Don't know who that is. Peter Coyote. Don't know who that is. Jack Nicholson. Oh wow! I see. I again. This is this is me going. That man is the Joker. That man is is Jack Kelly. Not yet. Uh, yeah. That's me going, he played bad guys. 
I can see him being a Belloc type, but not Indiana Jones. I think he'd already done one flow. Yeah, he'd already done one flow of the yeah. cuckoo's nest. Yeah, uh, Jeff Bridges, John Shay, Sam Elliott. Oh, these are very different. Mm. And Harry Hamlin. I don't know. The, the name sounds familiar. L.A. Law. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, kind of looks like a poor man Sam Elliott, if I'm being honest. <laughs> uh, Casting director Mike Fenton favored Bridges, but Lucas's wife and frequent collaborator preferred a name we haven't talked about yet, Tom Selleck. Yeah, the mustache that could have been. Selleck was cast but contractually obligated to filming the television series Magnum P.I. But Magnum P.I. wasn't yet made into a full series yet. It was on the bubble about, are we going to grumble it or are we not? So because of this, his name starts getting a lot of buzz. So they go ahead and they, at the last second, pick up Magnum P.I. for a season. Now, you know, it does okay for Selleck. Magnum P.I. kind of gives him the career that he has. But, um, so he had to drop out of the production with only weeks before filming began to cast the lead role. Also, the 1980s actor strike put the show on hiatus for three months. If it hadn't have done so, he'd have been able to shoot it as well. Oh my God. This, I, I can't even say it's the Eric Stoltz thing because Eric Stoltz was filmed and they went, this, this went it's just not fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, and I think Spielberg could have done I'm sorry, not Spielberg. I think Selleck could have done it. Mm. That iconic shot of Indy where he sort of held, hold on to both sides of a rope bridge. You put sort of Selleck's face on that. I, I still buy it. Even that first, the first, like when he turns in face of the camera and comes out the smoke, you have, I can, I can see yeah. Selleck just with that, like, very serious look and then making everyone crack a smile like minutes later uh spielberg said he felt ford was perfect for the role after seeing him in empire strikes back um the the word was that he'd been considered but not cast because he was already so well known and also so already linked to spielberg and linked to lucas i remember in the documentary george's like actual quote is He's been in three of my movies already. He shouldn't be in a four. Yeah, the thought was, yeah. Scorsese would always use De Niro. He mm-hmm. didn't want him to be his version of that. Bless so uh, Ford, however, thought, yeah, because they thought, well, you, you would want to do a three-picture deal, and Harrison Ford thought it would be fun and agreed to the deal and negotiated a seven-figure salary, a percentage of the gross profits, and the option to rewrite his dialogue. Which, which, yeah. which in a George Lucas film is probably a pretty safe bet anyway. Yeah, the, the best choice. Ford undertook uh, extensive exercise to enhance his physique and train for several weeks uh, to use a bullwhip, gaining some level of proficiency. Some of the stuff we see is really him. Uh, Ford's interpretation of the character was as an academic first and an adventurer second. His hat came from the famous Herbert Johnson hat shop in Seville Road, London. It was the shop's poet model. Um, the costume designer, Deborah Noodleman, said that in order to properly age the hat, she grabbed it and twisted it, and then she and Harrison Ford both sat on it. And eventually it looked like a very well-lived-in and well-loved hat. And we go into the cave, and Doc Ock begs Han Solo to turn around, but Deckard's having none of it. <laughs> there's tarantulas all over jones and so many more on melina and we get our first taste of the booby trap this movie becomes famous for and tomb raider needs to write a check for everything they ever did 
uh, Indy sees an easy path, and the guy, uh, Doc Ock, Melina goes to run, and he goes, no, no, hold up. And they go ahead, and they step on it ever so slightly, and we get uh, a, a poison dart coming out and hits this piece of wood where they were standing. Uh, then we get most one of the most famous and most gifable shots in modern Hollywood as Indy pauses for a moment looking at this gold trophy idol. And he sort of thinks about what he should do. And earlier in the movie, he'd picked up a bunch of dirt and put it in a bag. And we weren't really told what for. And this is because he's going to match the weight of the golden idol. Ethan, you used to work at Tesco. I did, yeah. How sensitive are those scales? Horrifically. Yeah. So this wasn't going to work. <laughs> so he does it. He thinks for a moment. It's great because it gives you that moment where you think he's done yeah. it correctly. And then the you find music out. Is like, the music is like, he's done it. Yeah he's not done he's it. not done it and um he runs back to a ravine he'd pro- previously sort of swung over but melina who was scared previously has now taken the whip and crossed without him and he bargains with indy throw me the idol and i'll give you the whip and so indy throws him the idol and he does not get the whip back instead melina just says adios senor and off he runs and then indy jumps the ravine and this is what's good about indy indy barely makes it you know yeah. what i mean like indy's he's, not the guy who just runs and makes and goes oh, i could have done it the whole time he's he's hanging he's on fool. almost falling he's a fool with pure pure luck yeah uh and we see the uh there's a wall or a door starting to come down one of those again a little race against time gotta love that and he makes it under the door and grabs the whip at the last moment so we get this lovely motif uh, that that picks up throughout the rest of the run, and we see Molina with a spike through his head in, in the neck as he goes around the corner, and he says "Adios, stupido," and then we cue the iconic boulder. And uh, this is this is, like when someone says Indiana Jones, there are like four separate things. I think people think of, and I think three of them are from this one scene. It's the idol. It's the grabbing the hat before the wall closes. Yeah, and him running from the boulder. Yeah, I mean, even when this time when he goes ahead and he gets underneath the uh, the wall of the last second, mm. he reaches back and grabs his whip. That's not as cool as when he grabs his hat, yeah. and they'll figure that out. Because the whip you need, the yeah. hat's just because it's your style. It's just the aesthetic, and that ma- that makes to it risk more your theory. arm yeah. for the hat. Yeah. Um, Harrison Ford actually outran the boulder in the opening sequence because the scene was shot twice from five different angles. He had to run it ten times. Uh, he has a stumble, uh, legitimately, and it was deemed to look authentic, so it was left in. Now, the, the boulder was made of fiberglass, and they had to find how do we make the sound sound right. And they tried recording boulders put, running down a hill, but that didn't give it. And then later, they were leaving in a Honda Civic and coasting down a gravel embankment, and they noticed that's the sound they were looking for. So they got a microphone <laughs> and recorded it. So when you see that boulder, that's a Honda Civic. <laughs> <laughs> two very similar things yeah. i've always thought uh out of the cave and the guy who tried to double cross in the earlier is there with a dozen or so indigenous people but the double crosser then falls down dead and he's got 20 or so arrows in his back and this is where we meet renee bellock played by paul freeman see i'm sure i've seen paul freeman and other things and i'm 90 percent sure it's probably star wars because mm. a lot of this is just recycled star sure. wars cast members 
Belloc was intended to be a sophisticated villain to counter the beer-drinking hero. Uh, Spielberg cast Freeman after seeing him in the docudrama Death of a Princess in 1980. Uh, his piercing eyes had captivated him. Uh, Jones is forced to hand over the idol to Belloc, who speaks the language of the aboriginals, and we get a shot of Indy then being chased by aboriginals as he runs to his plane, which is pastiched by many things. But I really realized watching this again now how much Pirates of the Caribbean has to thank Indiana Jones oh, for a yeah. lot of its stuff. Your silly, goofy main character running away. Well, while a bunch of yeah. island natives come after him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Indy takes a vine and splashes into the into the water towards a water plane. Seaplane? Seaplane, that's it. Yeah, I, I've yeah. been on one of these. I've always wanted... I had the Lego set of this whole scene, so my favorite thing was just doing the seaplane and then, like, putting in a bathtub so I could pretend it was actually in water. It's like I was in Tailspin. Have you ever seen Tailspin? With the one with Baloo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love Tailspin. I think I think Launchpad McQuack's on that as well. I th- he doubled weird, between Darkwing was, Duck yeah, and that, yeah. It was a weird crossover, though. Um, at least it makes sense why he's in Tailspin, because it, you, yeah. you, you gotta fly. <laughs> I thought, why Baloo got a flying license? I have no idea, so yeah. We never question it. It's no. the best choice not to question it. Um, so, uh, Indy gets in the plane, and we get the first taste of John Williams' iconic Raiders theme. And in the air, we meet Reggie because Chuck's got re- and like Chuck totally got this was a B movie. Like they told favorite, him. So my ahead. favorite thing with this, the guy who plays who plays Jock, he's just a pilot. He's not an actor. He's just like a regular airline pilot. But a fact I found out, and I don't know if you have this, when they were filming Jurassic Park, there was this awful hurricane or storm. This is the guy who just, like, flies everyone out of the hurricane slash storm during the production of Jurassic Park. Okay. So, yeah, not an actor, just a bloke who flies planes. That's insane. But he gets it. Uh, he's very much like, oh, that's just Reggie, my pet snake. And I'm like, this feels B-movie. Yeah. Uh, Indy says he hates snakes, uh, which is good as a way to establish this. Harrison Ford does not hate snakes in real life. Um, but you could say that Indy's had enough of these fucking snakes on this fucking play. <laughs> Cue Samuel L. Jackson here. That's where I got the idea from it. We go back to university and uh, Jones is teaching and the class is all full of girls who are in love with and they're like ah and like leaning on their fists my favorite is the girl that's literally written love you on her eyelids yeah it, i love you it just makes him so i don't know if it's uncomfortable or stammered or he's like ooh but it, whatever it is it's perfect cringe comedy apparently the original plan was going to be brody was going to get him from his office and he was going to be like in a state of like medium undress to suggest he'd been getting off of his students <laughs> in his office and oh, they're like no. no we shouldn't do that no no <laughs> Um, and so, uh, Jones is teaching, and we said, and uh, so they all leave, and then a male student leaves an apple on his desk? Oh, yeah. Is this a thinly veiled gay joke? I think it's a thinly veiled gay joke. I have no idea. Because all the girls were in love with him, so when the guy leaves him an apple, surely that's a I love you too moment, isn't it? I like to think that Indiana Jones is just a person who exudes, like, sexual fluidity at this point. Like every everyone loves everyone guy. loves him. Does that mean that he yeah. loves everyone? No, but okay. he's just every everyone loves him. Meet Marcus Brody, played by Denim Elliott. Second appearance in the pod. I'm not sure if you were here for the first one. Do you know what it was? 
Oh, God, probably not, no. He was the butler in Trading Places. I wasn't there for that, but uh, I'm, I'm now seeing it. It's amazing how much older he looked. And I don't know what, what the difference in the... I think it's like two years between them. But yeah, he seems notably older back then. I love I love um, Brody. Uh, yeah, I thought, but, he, I thought he was in this more than he was. He It's because he's shy. He, shy he has like one of the most iconic scenes in Last Crusade. Last Crusade is great. Yeah. <laughs> he knows uh, all the languages he can blend into anywhere. <laughs> You'll never see him. Excuse me, does anyone know, know the, cast, <laughs> the language? I'm just... <laughs> Oh, it's so good. <laughs> um, he says the museum will buy what Jones has brought him back, but army intelligence is waiting for him. And they do a great job with Harrison Ford's costume. Like, he's properly nerded up. He's carrying, like, five maps. He looks like a dork. He is. This is the Clark Kent to his Indiana Jones Superman. The problem is, he's as Clark crazy. Kent, the girls all love him. Yeah. Yeah. But he's, like, in a hot, dorky way, the same way that people would see, like, the 11th doctor i guess i guess but I, this is before this is very I mean, there was like one kind of hot in the 80s you know what i mean yeah uh they meet in a giant lecture hall so let me they're meeting u.s army intelligence in the biggest room they have where sense. the bugs could be anywhere <laughs> you don't grab him and go take him somewhere but you've already controlled and noah's safe so um you know, you you probably won't have his meeting in quiet. It seems like it's something that two guys from Army Intelligence would have thought of. And we confirm that Jones studied under Professor Ravenwood, but they had a falling out. We're not told what that is. We get told this is strictly confidential, and I'm going, yep, should be. And we find out the Nazis are looking for religious artifacts and ask Jones to interpret a message. And he interprets that they're after the Ark of the Covenant, which likely sits in the Well of Souls in uh, a t- uh, Tannis, this, this swallowed city yeah. by a sandstorm, the wrath of God. Because the Ark of the Covenant was stolen by Ramses, I think, I think they said. Yeah. From Jerusalem. And therefore, God punished um, the city it was placed in by burying it. Um, they play the pronoun game about a woman, and then we're finally told that uh, it's uh, it's Marion. But uh, oh, that's after the meeting. Sorry, I've jumped ahead ever so slightly. Uh, Jones lays out the movie. Then okay, so we have the staff are raw, and the headdress will then point out the location of Tannis and the Well of Souls, and the army which carries the Ark is invincible. We're told. Therefore, here's the stakes: we're trying to prevent superpowered Nazis. It, it is like. Because this is that this is uh, the eighties, so it's that period where World War Two has ended, and we can kind of not reflect, but go. Oh. we want we want to show that like when you say World War Two has ended, it's been over for thirty five years. Yeah, like it's enough time that we can kind of reflect on it and do like, oh, this is how we're gonna fight the bad guys. Look how bad the Nazis are. Because like even the sixties. 50s, 60s, it's always like Sergeant Nick Fury and his howling commandos versus the worst Nazis of all time, but they die by tripping over themselves. Also keep in mind in the 80s, there's two things. Number one, the Nazis are a safe are a safe target. Mm. Uh, number two, though, the Cold War is still well and on, and so everything... Oh, yeah. See, you, may, you can say Nazis, but you can pretty much say in the real world, this is all the sta- same sort of fears that are going on with the Soviets. Yeah. Not that they're going it's, after the Ark of the Covenant, yeah. but it's the idea of they are they are your equal in every way, and so we yeah. have to stop them. Um, the army wants Jones to go after the Ark, and Indy insists that it'll sit in the museum when it's finished. And this is important for his character. He doesn't want power. He doesn't want to be rich. He just sees it for the historical significance. 
He's just he's just a good bloke. Yep. Indy tells Brody it's everything we got into archaeology for in the first place, which suggests they've got a long backstory. I would have liked to have heard some of it. Yeah, I feel they talk about it in the third one, and maybe a bit in the fourth. Probably they probably do it in Is he around in the fourth? I don't think he was around in the fourth. No, he's not there in it, but he like he's always like, ah, Dad and Brody. All oh, yeah. Times. Let me reminisce on, on, on Brody. But we're told that mankind uh, has been looking for the Ark for almost 3,000 years. And Indy's like, I don't believe in any of this stuff. I don't believe in the boogeyman. I'm like, it's not the boogeyman. It's God. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's not some... Oh that oh that little that little obscure religion of yours. This is this this isn't the force. This is like the most mainstream religion in the world at that time. He is a slightly more respectful Han Solo in the sense that he goes, Faith is is a silly little thing, yes. and I'm just a man fighting against a literal god. But I still don't believe it. Brody may as well gone, you don't believe in the force, do you, Indiana? The thing is, within this canon, because because again, Temple of Doom hasn't happened yet, but it is a no. Pre- no Temple of Doom has happened, but like it hasn't least, happened like, for us. With, we don't know. For, yeah, yeah, it hasn't happened for us. For a man who, if you want to go back to, who's held a heart <laughs> in his hand, recited a <laughs> chant, and watched magic happen. Oh shit! Don't get me started on Young Indiana Jones, where a literal like glass uh, stained glass window comes to life yeah. and fights him through the voice of God. I, I kind of love it. Yeah. I don't believe in any of this stuff. Uh, to the airport. And they're at this like little plane, and a man at the back lowers a life magazine. Like, you have to do this when you go to bad guy school, when you go to villain school. Yeah. You're like, can you do the, the, the suspicious lowering of a newspaper or magazine? Um, and so they fly by map to Nepal. I love it in the Jones film because it flies by map. Oh, yeah. You get the school. You get, you get the red line. It's yep. Just- it's good. We get to Nepal and there's a drinking competition between two women. Props for that. I thought, see, my entire life, I thought it, it was a woman, but I've discovered, I think it's a man. No. I don't know anymore. I don't think it is. Um. Anyway, I'm going to call this person a woman until we prove otherwise. Um. Yeah. The older woman loses and falls over, and a shadow says, Hello, Marion. And this is Marion Ravenwood, played by Karen Allen. Um, Spielberg wanted someone similar to early 20th century leading ladies like Irene Dunn, Barbara Stanwyck, and Anne Sheridan, who were the e- their equals for their male counterparts. He wanted Deborah Winger. She wasn't interested. Spielberg wanted to cast his girlfriend, but she was unavailable. Um, they also considered Stephanie Zimbalist, Barbara Hershey, and Sean Young. Sean Young would play opposite Harrison Ford in uh, Blade Runner. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. She might have been good in this. Oh, yeah. She was a different vibe, but I think it's a... Uh, but it would work. Spielberg was aware of Karen Allen because she was in Animal House. Uh, and was an independent female in that film, and she impressed him with her professionalism during auditions for Raiders. One of the first things Spielberg asked was, how well do you spit? Um, Karen developed, Karen, look, she's my friend. Karen Allen developed the backstory for Marion that included her mother's death, her relationship with Jones when she was fixed between 15 and 16. So that's how old she imagined it as. Oh, okay. But Spielberg said it belonged in a different movie. Um this is Pat. So the the drinker, the drinking yep. person, is Patrick Durkin. It is a guy. Yeah, that seems silly. Why wouldn't you give him like a, a beard or something? 
That's the thing, because as a kid, he, I, I was He like, looks like the old woman who they harassed with the like shrubbery. A yeah. Yeah. Like, I, a babushka like is a, a good shout. Yeah. Yeah. Because, so like the entire time, it wasn't until last week when I watched this, I went, that's a, that's a man. There you go. Very curly hair. Learned something new on the BFE today. Um, so... Uh, named she's named marion after his grandmother-in-law and ravenwood is the name of an la street which it sounds uh-huh. like it's where they came from also cut for the first draft were elements of attraction between bellock and marion i kind of like the the love triangle that i thought was kind of sort of developing it's interesting i i prefer it to like the other ones where it's like because he seems to genuinely like her but her attraction is purely just for her own gain and survival yeah, the, the film and that it, we see yeah yeah yeah, and I, I prefer the, to, like, if it was like, oh, I don't know who I love. Is it Indy or the Nazi? Well, he's not a Nazi. He's just a Nazi sympathizer. <laughs> if you, if you have to start with that, it's not going to Te- end well, is technically, it? Technically, I'm not a Nazi. <laughs> From a certain point of view. <laughs> um, she slugs him and says, I was a child. I was in love. It was wrong, and you knew it. I really wished his comeback line was a little bit better than you knew what you were doing. I did what I did. You don't have to be happy about it, but maybe we can help each other out now. Yeah, when we do the A, if we, when we get to the age game. I have a plan for how the age game will work today. Yeah. Oh, we, okay. we will do it. Nice. But yeah, I, I, when I was doing the age game, I'm like, please, I, I want to like, because obviously I tried to like subtract by 10 to be like, okay, maybe this is anyway. Yeah. Okay, okay. I believe we're supposed to think that he was 25 and she was 15. Oh, I still hate that. Yeah, yeah. I don't even be like, it's different time. Because, like, in the UK, our age of consent is 16. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. But it's it's weird because we watch Star Wars and we go, it's okay with, like, 36-something-year-old uh, Han Solo getting with um, 19-year-old Leia and then you see the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, which is at the same time as the Solo movie, and that's a grown adult man doing stuff while there's a nine-year-old on screen. But time has passed. Time has passed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, where was I here? Um... Oh, she slugs him. Oh, she slugs him. Yeah. Have you, I was just going to go, have you heard all the stuff about Elvis? Yes. I see. This is the thing I know about. I, I knew about the Elvis stuff with Priscilla Presley. Uh, cause yeah. there's the new, there's the new film by, oh, I can't remember her name. And I feel really stupid for getting, uh, Sophia Coppola and people, cause, um, if anyone's listening that doesn't know, um, Sophia Coppola's made, uh, a film about Priscilla Presley and they're, they're not shying away from the fact that she was like what fourteen when they got married. No, fourteen when they met. Oh, uh, yeah. They got married. The promise because Liam and I covered Elvis, the Baz Luhrmann for a theater skip it. Yeah, and so we looked at, a, at the things a bit, and so they started the relationship when he was overseas, like twenty five. She was like fourteen, but he promised the general or whatever her father that nothing happened until they were married, and that's when she was eighteen. A lot of that then becomes he said, he said, said, she said. So I'm very curious how the film's going to handle. Well, was someone being the she yeah. said is the question. I mean, there's, there's just yeah, common sense, I, but yeah, I have no idea because I my knowledge of Elvis is his music, how he died, and people going, 
She was 14. Well, this is the theory That's now, it, is, that, yeah. is that Elvis committed, his overdose is intentional because he was afraid it was going to come out. So Yeah. Um, moving back to this movie. Um, she says that uh, Abner's dead and then gets frustrated with him. And he goes, I can only say I'm sorry so many times. I got to be honest with you, I wasn't that impressed with Harrison Ford's line delivery throughout the film. He doesn't get like enjoyable until the second half. Like when when they're in Egypt is sort of when he then gets to be more more happy. Harrison and, like, Ford's very very good at like shouting because he's panicking. That part is yeah. okay. But just having conversations with people, he's a bit cold. But, yeah, that, that's why I'm like he's he's more endearing in in um in Egypt because there's that bit later where it's like him and Marion um just walking through the screen and he's like it's a date. Yep. You eat it. And yeah. it's just like, oh, that's Harrison Ford there. That's like, fun. like Star Wars when he's doing the whole Han Solo, I love you, I know. Yeah. We all thought, what a brilliant performance. No, nah, he's just being himself, isn't he? He just doesn't emote. He's not a character choice. He just can't do it. I love Harrison Ford because you see him and stuff and it's like, that's an actor right there. And then you're meeting him. He's like, I, I, I hate you. And you're like, that's an actor right there. Oh, no. I think I was once in the same building as Harrison Ford. I think he and I were both at the same Oasis concert in Toronto once. So I never even got to be in the same building because he j- he Skyped us. He Skyped me. <laughs> Hello, people <laughs> at Star Wars Celebration. Thank you He's so much. He's also an 80-year-old for- man using Skype. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's so fun. Uh, and you can tell he's just reading it from a prompt. Yeah. And like, well, Star-, Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, do, you- do you watch Parks and Rec? I do, yeah. Nick Offerman was at the baseball game yesterday. No way! Yeah, he he led oh, the take cool. me out to the ball game. Yeah, he sang oh, it on the video screen. I recorded so it, fun. and then I got to the end, and I went to push stop, and I never pushed start, so I got none of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it'll be out there on Twitter somewhere. Someone That's will have done great. it. But yeah, it was great. Uh, so there we go. Uh, Indy then uh, offers her $3,000 for the headpiece, with $2,000 more when they get back to the States. She goes to slap him, but he grabs her hand and stuffs some money in it, which I thought was smooth. Mm. Um, so he goes to leave. She's come back tomorrow, which is a stupid decision, as it turns out. Um, the thing that Indy wants is actually being worn around her neck is like a necklace at that point. She takes it off and just like mounts it on like a random piece of like the one of the tables. <laughs> and then look at- enter the bad guy from the plane. Enter Major Arnold. I don't know if it's tote or taught played by ronald lacy he's the creepy guy with the glasses spielberg abandoned his idea originally he was going to have a mechanical arm that could be replaced with a machine gun or flamethrower a flamethrower oh that that's so cool lucas said so stupid lucas said different genre of film the end they intimidate marion because the first words spoken are when they're covered in shadow they offer her more money and says she might know where it she says she might know where it is. She then tries to kick him out, but there's like five of them. And then Tot grabs a, I'm going to go with Tot. Tot grabs a uh, fire poker. And there's an intense threat between Tot and Mary. And where he has this flaming red hot poker up to her face. And like, well, they're going to do some damage. And then the bullwhip grabs the glowing poker. Um, and we turn around. Of course, it's Indy. He came back and uh, he insists. 
I've got my notes somewhat seriously. Again, my line delivery sucked to let Marion go. And there's a gunfight and the place lights up like Carrie just got voted prom queen. Logs are also jumping out of the fireplace like Carrie's making up for some spilt blood. And the whole and, and everything goes up the whole nine yards. Uh, Todd picks up the medallion, but it burns his hand and gets him outside. And then we have that classic shot where you have a point of view shot from your hero's perspective who's looking at the bad guy who's got a gun on him and you hear a gunshot and then you see the bad guy fall out of the frame and it was a, a sidekick shooting him in the back on behalf of our uh, our hero. I like this because it also tells us, one, when we meet Marion, she, like, there's this this TikTok or something that's going around of like this strong-willed uh, female bar attendant like, look who just walked into my bar how long's it been and i kept yep. seeing it going, oh for fuck's sake yeah it is that thing yep you're not wrong but she's so good but like at that point i go oh no she's more than just this is my bar she she holds her own she does when 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 the story needs her to yes and they're very indecisive about that yeah marion says i'm still short five thousand dollars so until that point we're partners and we fly by map to cairo and we meet sala played by jonathan reese davies who of course we just did an episode on a couple of weeks ago when we did lord of the rings there we go originally approached to play sala oh god danny devito you're fucking kidding not at all (laughs) <laughs> he couldn't oh, no i need that i, I got, wish i saw that i got two reasons why he couldn't participate one because of scheduling conflicts with the sitcom taxi and the second because his agent wanted too much money <laughs> it's probably the latter <laughs> oh no i love i've been i've been uh i've been re-watching away study in philadelphia so i'm i'm just i want that I want that so bad. Spielberg asked him to play the character as a mix of a role he did excuse me it's a role he'd done called Shogun, uh, in a, something called Shogun, and um, and the character John Falstaff from Shakespeare. Oh. Salah, we find out, is the best digger in Cairo. They found the map room three days ago, and he goes, they don't have a brain amongst them, except for one man who is very clever. And I'm like, well, that sounds like you probably should have led with that. <laughs> um, and we find out it's a French archaeologist, and we know, of course, this must be Belloc. Uh, Salah warns Indy that... Um, Man was not meant to disturb the ark as death has always surrounded it. And I'm like, hang on. Like, it was originally somewhere else and it was stolen. This is not its rightful place of resting. <laughs> like, God buried the city so much he doesn't like where it is. I figure, take a chance. Can't hurt. And the end of the movie kind of suggests that God's an American, doesn't it? Oh yeah, because he doesn't. He is a red-blooded patriot. He doesn't smite that building, does he? No, and we we find out that like I don't know, twenty years later in Kingdom of the Crystal Store, it's still there. Yeah, and it's fine until the Russians get there. Yeah, God's an American. Uh, in Cairo, Marion's picked up a monkey friend, but it turns to run away to an evil man. And how do I know it's evil? He has an eye patch. And then two seconds later, he does a Nazi salute. I, I, I know I shouldn't, but I can't, every time I see that monkey do a Nazi salute, I find it so fun, funny because he does like a monkey sound as if he's also trying to like yeah. say the words. This is George Lucas's idea and one of Spielberg's <laughs> two favorite scenes. Um, I'll tell you what the other one is when we get to it, if I remember. Uh, in Empire Magazine, Frank Marshall said they got the monkey to do a Nazi salute by putting a grape on a fishing pole and getting the monkey to reach for the grape. 
Uh, this took about 50 takes before it actually looked like a proper salute. And then voiceover artist France Wel- uh, Frank Welker provided the chattering sounds for the monkey, including the sea kyle, like chirp, but the monkey Wait, gives. Frank, Frank Welker? Yeah? If I'm correct, I'm pretty sure that's the voice of Fred in Scooby-Doo. I can do one better. It's also the voice of Abu in uh, Aladdin. Oh, my God. Boo's a Nazi. It's Megatron as well. Oh, is it really? (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, that's that's super funny. We we look at a boo and go, you're a nice little monkey. No, you're not. No, you're not. (laughs) So there we are. Uh, Back in Cairo, a bunch of random thugs attack Indy, and part of the gag includes them trying to capture Marion, and he keeps trying to put her places where she won't be in danger. He puts her in the back of a truck, and then he puts her somewhere else. And uh, a man with a knife chases. So it ends with this guy chasing Marion down the street. He's got yeah. a knife in her hand. No one gives a care. Everyone just goes about their day. I don't know if their intention is also to be, because Indy says like a, a, an awful lie that in retrospect, these Arabs don't care if we kill right, ourselves. Right, but this isn't them killing themselves. It's an Arab man chasing a white woman. Yeah, and I don't know if this is also because later on it, they, they're kind of on Belloc's payroll or whatever, but this is just this is a silly little set piece because she has a frying pan and he she's going to smack him. Sorry about that, folks. I've been doing 180 episodes. I finally dragged a piece of paper across the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a great Foley joke where Marion's chased into a room and we don't follow her into the room. We just hear like a smash. And then she comes out and hangs, hides in like a wicker basket vase type thing. Yeah. And then the monkey sells her out, and they can all tell what the monkey is saying. This is like <laughs> Chewbacca logic. It's also because she doesn't help herself because the, like, the lid isn't on, and she's also trying to shove it off by taking the lid off and essentially standing up. Yeah. Meanwhile, Indy's fighting the, uh, the toughs, and the last, the, the boss level tough comes in. He's got the giant sword. And he makes this giant play about how good he is with the sword. And then Harrison Ford just grabs a gun, kind of shrugs and shoots him dead. Um, this was done out of necessity, not out of comedy. Oh, so uh, they're not in Egypt. They're in Tunisia. Yeah, and it's yeah. what Spielberg calls one of the worst filming experiences he ever had. The temperature was off. That we've been complaining about the heat. Mm. Now it's a dry heat, but it's fifty-four degrees Celsius. So over a hundred and fifty members of the crew also became sick with amoebic dysentery from the local food. This is a terrible time for Lucas because they also did all of Tatooine here for the first film. Yeah, so he he's probably also just getting flashbacks of seeing Anthony Daniels nearly die like every day. Yep. Lucas also suffered a severe sunburn and facial swelling, it says. Oh, but no. the Cairo village was filmed in the city of Karuan. A day of filming was lost there because over 300 TV antennas had to be removed from the surrounding houses. Uh, um, also, um, Spielberg and Lucas wanted 2,000 extras to be diggers. He had to settle for only having 600. But this stuntman who got shot spent weeks practicing sword skills for what he was promised to be an extended fight scene. The problem is Harrison Ford's one of these guys who's got dysentery. So as a result, he can't do any long scenes because he keeps having to run to the toilet, I would guess. He's so, having a good time with indie films because then in the second one, he like breaks his back or something yep. doing, doing a scene. Yeah. 
and uh he also had to shut down he's not very good on set he got hurt on the was it the the force awakens he, oh yeah yeah, yeah the, the 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 millennium falcon door literally crushed his leg yeah. and then he crashed his plane after several unsuccessful tries ford said like can i just shoot the sucker and spielberg immediately took him up on the idea and the scene was successfully filmed so during filming in Tunisia, like I said, almost everybody got sick. Spielberg didn't. It's thought he avoided illness because the only food he he ate was food he brought with him. Cans of SpaghettiOs. <laughs> so do you know what SpaghettiOs are? Yeah, they, well, we have like an equivalent here. Hoops. But it's just, yeah, spaghetti hoops and yeah. stuff. Basically, it's just like, 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 like the worst quality pasta ever in like a red tomato sauce. Like when you're like 15, there's no better food. <laughs> oh, they should have included that in the fable moments. Yeah. Uh, Indy then needs to rescue Karen, and she's going, You can't do this to me. I'm an American. <laughs> okay, I will say this as a Canadian, and if someone who's just traveled the world a little bit, this line, I'm an American, like somehow it's a trump card that gets you stuff internationally. It's so funny. I just want to say respectfully to all my American friends out there oh it's not what you think it is <laughs> you're not endearing yourself it just makes it worse americans have a reputation of thinking that you, there's a reputation i'm not saying it's true the reputation is that american tra- especially travelers think they're better than everybody else i will say that yesterday at the baseball game this one they were doing the wave which we would call the Mexican wave because it keeps going around and around and around. The wave just goes around once. Mexican wave keeps going around and around and around, around. And the one behind me is from Chicago and said, you don't do this at a Cubs game. And I was like, all right. And then her, I think her boyfriend said to her, well, technically the home team is St. Louis. Technically. Said, you wouldn't be caught doing this in Wrigley. And they were like, just, okay, but we kind of went, you're not in Wrigley though. I don't like the wave. I don't like the wave either. So I'm there with her, but I don't like the wave because I think it's stupid, not because it's, it's not what you do in Chicago. <laughs> and then they start singing Sweet Caroline. Right? Oh, no. Oh, I, see, I think I see where this is going. And she went, this isn't even a Chicago song. This is a song for, uh, I forget, Boston. And I turned around, and I did go at this point. I went, because I talked about the wave, and go, I'm right with you on the wave. I don't like the wave. But English yeah. people love the wave. You need to know that. And um, she went, uh, I turned around and said, maybe you don't know this, the English football team adopted Sweet Caroline as their song a little while back. I don't know why, but it's very big over here. Yeah. And we're in it's the, like, it's like massive. And we're in one of the stadiums where they might play some games occasionally, yada, yada, yada. But this is, this is a crowd that, you know, they associate this with sports. Yeah. And she went, well, you wouldn't do it at a Cubs game. I said, well, what in Rome, or in this case, not Rome. <laughs> Just, just join in. And I'm behind these two, I'm behind this, beside this old fella who I think came with his son. I think they're both Americans who were in Cubs gear. But I was belting out. I, I might have had a pint in each hand. So I, was, <laughs> cause I waited until the seventh inning. And then I went, oh, it's the seventh. They're going to shut it down. So I took two, two beers back up to my seat. And so it was great for hands touching hands to sort of extend yeah. my pints out and sang along throatily and heartily. And the old fellow beside me was like, very well sung. And I'm like, oh, thank you very much. Very, very, very kind of you. Uh, I'm like, go. Be-. But then as I'm going down the stairs, I said, 60% of the people at this game, I don't know if this got cut or not from, from our diatribe. I'm not sure. 
I'm I know. I think we talked about it yeah. before Vasab, I think. Yeah. The submersible, yeah. I mean. Um, but this girl was in front of me, and I apologize, folks. I'm going to do the accent I heard. I mean, no disrespect. But what a, how it came across was... Um, so I'm talking about why they're at the thing. Oh, we're going to go out tonight. Yeah, we're going to have a good time. I'm on a journey of wellness right now. And so this game's so important for that. So I'm glad the Cubs won. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, like, like I, I hear you for most of it, but like this, this journey of wellness, like what other, like, it was the most like cliche white girl thing I think I've heard said in, since, can I have a large pumpkin spice latte, please? <laughs> or a venti, I, I guess I should say. <laughs> I, I'm on a journey of wellness, which is why I need my team. I'm glad my team. Yeah, oh, it was so dumb. <laughs> so there we go. Um, great cinematography as Indy reacts to something we don't know what it is. There's a hundred wicker baskets, and Indy just starts throwing them off to see which one's open. <laughs> if she was actually in one of these, she'd have gotten hurt. She's taken away and put in the back of a truck with high explosives. Indy shoots the driver, and shortly after, the truck goes up in flames. We think Marion is dead. And so does Indy, in case we weren't sure, because he goes, Marion. And then we smash cut to Indy grieving drinking alongside the monkey that sold her out. <laughs> I'm like, that is cold. Oh, it's great. Uh, he's summoned to the bar, and it's Balak. Or Balak. Um, Indy says uh, he should kill Balak right there and then because these Arabs don't care if we kill each other. They're not going to get caught up in our business. Bellick says you'll have to search hard to find an adversary like each other. They're very alike. Archaeology is our religion, but we've both strayed from the true faith. And, quote, it would only take a small nudge to, to, to make you like me, to make you stray from the light. Yeah, I really like Bellick as a villain. If there's something I appreciated the second time I watched this, it's Bellick as like, like, maybe it's because he's hanging out with Nazis that he therefore looks good by comparison. But, like, I kind of dig where he is. He works as a good villain because, like, obviously, associate with Nazis, I'm going to say you're a Nazi. Now, this is, so, not, this, yeah. is, this is Nazis in 1936. Yeah. So that's the thing. That's the genius of this is that we get all this, like, dramatic irony where we know all about what the Nazis will do. Yeah. But his character doesn't. So he's just like an ego, like, it's an easy way for us to go, this guy sucks, especially without the, the knowledge of what's going to, what will happen. Especially because, A, the Germans invaded France in World War One, and now we have, a, and we know they're going to invade France in World War Two. so he almost comes across as a traitor to his own people, even though it hasn't happened yet. Mm. So, um, where am I at here? Um, Indy talks about Hitler. Balak says, look, you know what it is? The, the Ark? It's a transmitter. I want to talk to God. And Indy says, I can make that happen. And pulls. So basically, he's like, if I get what I need to get out of it, who cares what they do with it afterwards? Yeah, like he is. He's just ego driven. Uh, the Nazis are just are just bankrolling me. Yeah, it's in the same vein of uh, like, I don't care who wins. I just want to be okay kind of thing, which is like an even more deplorable villain. And I, I, I think that really works the kind of character that Belloc is shown to be throughout. He he just cares about himself. No one else. We're not cutting in with everything, but I just got a message from Georgia. We've literally just had a new patron sign up. So we want to do a big hearty welcome, 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 welcome 
to Richard Ching. That's Richard Ching, our newest friend of the podcast. Thanks a lot. Hope you enjoy uh, what's going on in the pool here. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, George just put it in the group chat, so I thought I'd go ahead and take a look at what that is. So live, live, live. Richard Ching. I also find out where Richard's from. Hopefully he's Canadian as well, and I can keep singing. <laughs> I made my mates to stop the O Canada and Richard Ching. <laughs> Thank you, Richard. Hope you enjoy uh, all the stuff we got going on on the patron side. I, I really like the little community we got in the. Yeah, uh, it's fun. It is fun. It's very yeah. fun. Uh, so there we are. Um, where are we at here? Uh, Indy says he made that happen, pulls his gun. It turns out everybody in the place is not willing to let them kill each other because they all pull theirs. And about nine children are waiting to tell Indy to go home and escort him out. And these people have no morals except for all of his kids. All right, yeah. got to respect the kids. And with the kids just like waiting just off camera? It's, it, I don't know. It's perfectly timed for yeah. them. But. Um, back to Salah. And uh, Indy says... You hear he goes, Marion's dead, and he just goes, "Yes, I know. I'm sorry, Indy. Life goes on." <laughs> I'm like, wow. Let's remember this later when he re- when he refers to Marion as his family, shall we? Uh, that night, Eye Patch Man poisons Indy's food. I thought it was olives. Turns out it's dates. I love dates in this film. Uh, Salas brought him to an old man, and there's a second medallion out there. We find out. On the medallion is a warning not to move the ark. Indy goes to eat a date about five times and is stopped each time by the old man going, ah, and you see here, and we see the monkey has eaten a date, and Indy and Salah figure out that Balak is digging in the wrong place, and then there's a tracking shot of an olive throw, oh, sorry, a date thrown in the air, and just as he's about to eat it, it's caught by Salah, who has noticed the dead monkey. Bad dates. Bad dates. Uh, Balak tells the Nazis they shouldn't have told Hitler that they'd found the uh, Ark. It wasn't the case yet. Uh, Indy is in local garb and lowers himself into the map room pretty much undetected. Mm. Outside, Salah is accosted by two Nazis who move him away, so the rope disappears, and then that's about it. I thought they would have held on to him, but apparently that was it. He was just the guy, yeah. Yep. Um, Indy places the staff in the correct location and sees the light. And it was a cool visual as the light yeah. hits the crystal. And then it, you know, it's the 80s. So there's limitations. It was always going to look kind of fake. It's the, it's, it's just the nature of where film was at this point. I but, kind of find it more but I like magic. It. it is I, more I, magic. And I was thinking I about that when we get to the end. Yeah. I find older films, especially because there's a, there's a documentary they do on Disney plus called uh, light and magic. And one of the episodes, they basically just go into how they did all the stuff for Indiana Jones, and I, it's so it's so fascinating. I say that, but uh, Disney Plus for some reason are really enjoying deleting all of their current content again. Right. Um, so that 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 could disappear. So watch it uh, as soon as you can, I guess, because they had a show, they had that Willow show that. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm 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 pissed. I don't like Willow to begin with. So they said, I'm like, it's not even that you're going to ruin it. It's just I don't need more Willow in my life. You know what's mad? I watched the first Willow before the show aired, and I went, this isn't that good for me. My but fa- I get what they're going for. As I watched a, even the a, show and went, this is so much better. Even as a kid, I went, this is stupid. Um, but uh, Kevin Pollock. I like Kevin Pollock in it. Mm. Um, so uh, then Indy goes to go back up and finds a bunch of sheets finished with a nazi flag 
and we cut to him walking with Salah, who's escaped. So I don't know what the point of him being kidnapped was, because it or taken away, because he's we're back to square one. Uh, Indy stumbles into a tent and finds Marion. He and he goes, "I thought you were dead. They must have switched baskets." No, no, I'm sorry, Harrison Ford. Oh, you are not doing the work that the film failed to do, because we were shown her being placed in the back with the explosives. This is my. This is my Chewbacca in episode nine. I, the minute she they blew her up, because of course I know it doesn't happen, but I went, how long do you wait? Now, they waited longer than they waited for Chewbacca. But I was like, <laughs> no, 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 because there's no reason we saw her get placed in with the explosives. We saw it's, that. As silly as I find the Chewbacca thing, I can almost go, now that makes sense, because it would. It, I, I can totally understand there being two ships. Yep. I get that. Two trucks full of explosives. Well, what's suggesting is they put her in the back with the explosives, the camera cut, and then unbeknownst to us, they took yeah. now, Even if someone went, we took her out of that truck, and we have a flashback to someone else moving her, th- I will forgive you that. That is fine. You can mislead me in that in that direction. But I don't... This was just left there with just, oh, I guess they must have moved it. Nope, you, li- you, you, you lied to us. It's... It's a weird, th- like, I'm totally fine with them and like, oh, no, Marion's dead, because I get that. Lots of movies have, we think the character's yeah. dead. I love I love those kind of things, because then it stops being like, oh, I've got something worth fighting for, the memory or whatever. But this yep. time it was like, you exploded, now you're here. Yep. Fine. The grace of God from the uh, Ark of the Covenant. Uh, Indy surmises he has to leave her there or they'll discover that he knows the truth. It was a bit of a, it's a really shaky logic, but all right. Mm. Uh, I'm with her on this one. Uh, Bellic is petitioned by the Nazis who now feel free to discuss Marion. As we, so up until now, we're like, should we talk about Marion? Oh, he just doesn't know yet. Don't bring her up. And then as soon as she's alive, we should talk to the girl. And I'm like, that's conveniently timed. Uh, they want to interrogate her. Belloc doesn't want to do it, but they say, we've got a man for such things. Enter Tot. We have a Nazi greeting and the imprint of the medallion on his hand. And then I have a scene called, Can You Dig It? Indy tells the <laughs> diggers where to dig. And by nighttime, and a, by that I mean a totally realistic nighttime sky with thunder and lightning happening behind him. Oh, I love the little green screen. It reminds me of uh, the... Is- the Ten Commandments movie. Yep. Literally just because of the sky. Um, they hit stone and private dirt off, and then I can see where Lost took... I, I see the fingerprints of a lot of other shows taking stuff from this. I can see that throughout this film. And then we go, why is the floor moving? It's snakes. Um, have to be snakes. This was obviously shot... This part of it was shot in, in uh, England at like Elm Street Studios or something like that. And they got every snake from the south of England they could basically get, and it still was nowhere near enough. So um, Spielberg's like, just get some garden hose, cut it into lengths, and we'll just put it in chunks. And if you look carefully, you can totally see the garden hose. I was looking for it, and I was like, yeah, there's one there, there's one there, there's one there. See, I was busy looking for something else in the background of the, of the show. Okay, when we get yeah. there, we'll, uh, we'll definitely need to do that. Um... So Indy's told by Salah to go first. Back to Marion. She has her bonds loosened by Belloc, who gives her food and a dress. And I'm like, should we just call you Barbosa? And should we just call her Elizabeth Swan? And are you going to talk about apples? Because <laughs> that, that's what this is, isn't it? Yeah, it's like it's the original version of that, except at the end, Belloc isn't like, 
Uh, Miss Miss Ravenwood. It, I don't remember. It was it. You better start believing in ghost stories, whatever. Because you're in one. You're, you're in one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm disinclined to acquiesce to your request. Yeah. <laughs> Means no. <laughs> um, we see Tart in the background as a shadow outside the tent, which was a really cool shot. Mm. Uh, Bellic gives her a dress. She's like, okay, I'll wear it. I don't know why. Uh, probably so we can just have scenes like this Belloc sets up his mirror to capture a shot of Marion taking off her bra which of course has to be white to suggest she's good and pure and innocent yeah well it's also the 1930s yeah um she tells Belloc they don't need a chaperone because there was a knife that she nicked at the start of the scene and then puts a handkerchief over it and uh it's clear she's decided she's gonna start oh that's why she changes she's gonna start uh seducing Belloc yeah, she's do she's using her womanly advantages to try and like cuz this is when they do the drinking game, isn't it? I just about to, yeah. Yeah. Is Karen Allen a sexually attractive woman? I think she's very pretty. That's not but what that's I not asked. Not answering your question. <laughs> no. Um for- I'm not asking is she hot? Cuz I don't think she's that, nor do I want her to be that. Because she's supposed to be good and pure. And, like, this is back to the whole, like, um, Meg Ryan and Sleepless in Seattle. They dress her in clothes yeah. up to her neckline to show what she's pure. I'm not, because there's everything cute and hot. But my question is, is she, do you see her as anything other than your best friend? No. And I think that, that's the thing, because the way that is obviously it's that I uh, can, like, fight for herself kind of character that, like, you know, the Top Gun bartender. It's that kind of thing of... That's you know what, what when you were describing it earlier, I was like, they did this in Top Gun Maverick, so yeah. yeah. It's like, that's that's my mate. I'm going to I'm gonna yeah. literally do do some shots, have a good time, and then we go our own separate ways. Or yeah, you have, have some drinks, like and then you look at each other in a way you hadn't looked at each other before because you had a couple of drinks now. Yeah, and then you laugh about it. Yeah. And go back to drinking. <laughs> so... Um, that was i just don't get and to be honest with you i haven't gotten any of the women in i don't get any of the women really in i'm being too hard by saying this but i don't see them as like romantic partners i want indy to end up with until you get like the nazi girl in number three yeah it's really awkward because willie scott is just a a terrible terrible character and i that's her wow you remember her name that's amazing yeah yeah um willie scott is like her arc is I stop being the worst and I become I become bearable. Yes. Eliza's whole thing in is it Eliza? I think so. And is this Last the second Cruc- one? Uh, the, the Last Crusade. Yeah. Oh, Last Crusade. Yeah. Who's Eliza? I, the, the the Nazi girl. Wait, I thought that was Willie. No, Willie's the uh, the starlet. Oh, in, sorry. Um, we, oh, I got them backwards. Yeah, yeah. Willie's the star. Oh, Willie's her, terrible throughout. Yeah, that's the, her arc is. I st- I go from being the worst to somewhat bearable. Well, that's because that's because Spiel- yeah. that's because Spielberg's wife. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She totally. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, she she gets that part because because her husband Steven Spielberg. Oh, that makes it so much worse because I, I like. The film could have been Indian short round, and I get why you have Willie because she's she's silly, funny because she's she woman scared of spider. Well, she's also but, she's 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 the posh woman, right? That we can kind yeah. of groan and go, yeah. "Oh, I'll do it for you." We're so different. I'm a starling. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. You eat bugs off the floor. Yeah, and then I think Eliza's the Nazi girl, and I love that because you're like, 
before you, obviously before you find out she's an artist, she's like, oh yeah, they just get each other, they have that same thing, and then she slept with his dad, <laughs> and I go, maybe not. What was that line? I'm as human as the next man, Dad. Yeah. I was the next man. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I, I really hope we can do Last Crusade. Or something. Oh, Last Crusade will do. I don't know if we'll do uh, Temple, but we'll temple do. Is, yeah, I'm not dying to do Temple, but Last yeah. Crusade will definitely do. Yeah. Um, so back to Indy, he comes face to face with a King Cobra, um, in setting up for the scene, uh, a Python bit first assistant director, David Tomlin's hand and wouldn't let go. He calmly asked someone to grab the Python still attached to his hand by the tail and whip it. So the snap would send a wave up the snake's body and force it to let go. A stage hand did just that. The Python released its bite from Tomlin's hand and Tomlin got medical attention. The Python was not injured. To achieve the sound of snake slithering, Ben Burt stuck his fingers into a cheese casserole. Do you remember what other Lucasfilm effect was done by this? Oh, God, no, I don't. And I'm feeling it's going to be like the Sarlacc or something. No, it was Jabba the Hutt walking around. Oh, of course. Um, it was augmented by applying wet sponges to the grip tape of a skateboard. Um, so I talked about that already, about the snakes and, and, the, and the hoses. Uh, so a sheet of glass separates Harrison Ford and the Cobra when he falls in, uh, the snake (laughs) did spray venom onto the glass. Oh, so if they hadn't have like, if they gone, well, let's see what happens. Yeah. He'd be dead. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, back to date night, Marion kicks back her drink and we have a replay of the first scene. Uh, she can obviously handle her liquor much better than uh, he can. She gets significantly drunk and then pulls the knife on Balak, which she could have done before all this flirting. Because this is, this whole thing's pointless. She just grabs the knife and says, "I'm leaving." I got the whole thing is obviously like at this point he is he is ras drunk. So like this is her way to get to to escape because he's now like so inebriated that she can get out. Sure, but I, pay attention to how quickly he sobers up. Yeah, yeah. See, I would wait until Belloc does what the the other man did. Pass out, and also. I go underneath the tent. I wouldn't leave. I wouldn't leave through the entrance. Yeah, I would go underneath the tent. She, I'm also not drunk. She backs up and tots in the tent. Says, "You Americans are all the same. Always overdressing for the wrong occasions." Good line. <laughs> There's a cool coat hanger fake out because you think it's some oh, sort of I instrument love, of torture. I love that, yeah. And he goes, "Now, what shall we talk about?" And we go to the well of souls. Indian Salah have found the Ark of the Covenant, and if you look carefully, what else will you see, Ethan? You see R2-D2 and C-3PO etched into the stone. Yeah, you do. It's a cool moment. Mm. Uh, outside, Belloc recognizes that Indy's group have found the Ark. Because here's my whole issue with this whole thing. is like you're just digging and finding things just, just over there. Yeah. Just over there. Uh, Belloc takes the Ark and arranges for Marion to be thrown into the pit. I fell into the pit. Uh, there's a great bit of sound where she screams, no, and they close the slab and her voice just dies. Like the oh, sound. So dis- good. Oh, it's, so good. it's yeah. very good. And Belloc, Belloc seems torn. Now, part of it's like she was his trophy, but he's sober now. Yeah. He is sober now. So I, that's the whole issue I have. Uh, she's clearly being presented here as a bride for Indy. She's in this like white dress. Mm. And lower for him. Uh, he tears the bottom of her dress so we get a mullet dress that she's now wearing, where it's short in the front and long in the back. Uh, it's also something that Lucas kind of uses again with Padme's top and Attack of the Clones. You are very right. Yeah. yeah. There's definitely an upskirt shot when she's um, hanging from this statue. Yeah. 
because I went, is that, yeah, it is. So yeah. I'm realizing Mary, Marion is treated much better like when it comes to just existing in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And I don't think it's because times have changed. I think it's because she's like 50. Yeah. And, and, and she's, it's, nothing to, it's nothing to be being respectful. It's just going to go, she's too old for and, that. And she's going to be revealed to be someone's mom. Yeah. yeah. That, that's literally it, which is weird. Yep. No, I, I agree. Know. Like, I agree. I'm like, because I was like, yeah, that's really respectful. And I'm like, oh, wait, no, it's not for that. It's, it's for this other awful reason. <laughs> Many Egyptian corpses and, uh, oh, wait, hang on, I've jumped somewhere. Where am I here? Uh, oh, Indy's determined to go through the wall where the snakes are coming in while Marion's handling herself about as well as I'd be doing in the situation. Uh, <laughs> freaking out, going, come back, hurry up. <laughs> the statue on the side comes down as the wall breaks and Marion walks up to an obvious corpse so we can have a jump scare. I don't know, who, I don't know what she thought she was walking up to. And the jump scares have screams as well. Yes, they scream. (laughs) Many Egyptian corpses and no snakes. Should there be snakes? And as I say, this a python comes through a skeleton's mouth. Uh, Indy grabs her and takes her to a room of light coming in as they've somehow gone upwards now. Uh, Keep on, they went down to a pit. And uh, it's now fully excavated. I mean, the outside is at this giant tower. I'm like, and it opens up and you're in like the car park of the Nazi planes. I'm like, how did you not think has anybody checked that building there? Have we checked that? <laughs> is 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 that the one of? St- oh, we did say they found it three days sooner. I'm sorry. So yeah, yeah. they know where the room is. Wait, is this the room or is this when they dig? It's is- near the site. It, it's it's because the cause oh they haven't I found know- they haven't found the ark yet, have they? No, no. Uh, they they get they've gotten the ark at this point. Oh, okay. I think. I think because they've stolen it when they throw Marion in. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So they found the Ark. Yeah. yeah. So no yeah. one went. Should we check that place there? I know the whole thing is like the ego of going, they're digging in the wrong place because they got their measurements wrong. So I, I'm, I think the other reason there is they're going, see, it's not this building, it's that building. But don't you just send someone to go, look, you guys do that. Someone go check that room out, would you? Oh, if I, if, if I realize I, I, then go, I'll check the other sort of surrounding area. And then there is a concrete block that is two foot by two foot by four foot minimum. And Indy pushes us out by himself. We get it. a little bit of groaning, but he pushes us out solo. It's like in uh, like just animated shows or anime where it's like, the mountain's going to fall. Can you tell which one? It's the one that's not been cell shaded. How many guys did it take to pr- now? Granted, prying's difficult because you got to get up, and, but even just to hold it up, then so they can move it over. It was like everyone's going, and this is like a solid version. Now it's smaller, but it's denser. Indiana Jones, chosen by God. Yeah, that's right. Um, I've got my notes. Well, shouldn't the Nazis feel like a right bunch of Charlies? The Ark was right there. Um, the Nazi airstrip. We see Dietrich, who kind of steps up in the second half of the movie, and he wants to toast to a job well done, while Bellic is like, no, no, we should wait until we're far away. And I'm like, this guy should be on the pod. He totally gets it. I'm <laughs> also like, is he the barometer of, of, of morality in the film? I don't know. Indy starts to fight a pilot to the ignorance of anyone except for this 1930s movie strongman who's shaving off to the side. Charles, he looks like Charles Bronson. Okay. Uh, he comes over to fight Indy. Indy kind of like has to like groan when he sees him. It's like, all right. <laughs> Indy fights dirty, pointing to the ground and kicking him in the groin before biting his arm. 
the pilot has a couple clean shots to shoot indy but the strong man keeps getting in the way this is great because it just shows that indy's lucky yeah he's not superman he's just lucky and then just before he's gonna he finally gets a clean shot and he's hit in the back of the head by marion who's also removed the wedges that stop the plane from rotating she then gets trapped inside the uh hull of this of the uh ship and is basically Jake Lloyding her way through this. <laughs> it's like she went, let's try spinning. That's a neat trick. As the plane spins and like tears through a petrol truck and gasoline is landing all over the ground. She guns down a truck and then she causes like gas to appear. So now Indy's like, um, okay, I've got to fight the Nazi strong man. I need to get away from the plane and also get Marion out to stop her from exploding. There's a lot to do. But two fist fighters continue their fist fight first on top of the plane and underneath the plane where we see the propeller approaching before cutting away to people shielding their eyes and then blood on the Nazi insignia on the back of the plane. I thought that was a really well done sequence. Oh, it's so good. Because uh, you don't have to see it. Some mm. some films now would want to show show you it, but it's much more effective just doing that. I like this, like the subtlety that the mind can create. And I think that, it, like, obviously... I know this sounds like really ironic considering how the film ends, but that works then. But in these moments, I don't need to see the guy go into the plane, but I like, it's like, it's the same with someone's like, you see a character holds a gun pointed at someone and you're just outside the room and maybe see a flash and a bang and go, he's dead. Yeah. And it's, it, I think it works better like for, for drama. They're now going to put the arc on a truck to Cairo, which somehow, sorry, um, Indian Mario, Mario, <laughs> Marion, <laughs> Indian Marion get off the plane and it blows up everything in the region and no one sees them running away. Now something's already blown up and gotten their attention and yet they still don't see these two people fleeing from the scene. Um, it's going to be put on a truck to Cairo, which somehow Sala instantly is told and tells Indy. Uh, the out-of-control airplane actually legitimately ran over Harrison Ford's knee, tearing a ligament in his left leg. Lucky for him, the heat had turned the rubber tire soft so it didn't crush his bone. Rather than submit to the health care, Ford had his knee wrapped in ice and carried on. So- this man, is his existence is solely to spite death itself. Yep, I think so. Run over by a plane, broke his back, nearly got killed by a cobra, Got nearly squashed by his own spaceship. Crushed his plane. Yep. Uh, Indy tells everyone to get some transport from Egypt to England. When asked what he's going to do, he goes, I don't know. I'm making it up as I go along. And it's a shame because the line's great. His delivery, I think his delivery still sucks. He's, it's weird. He's, he's the best in the third one. Oh, but the third one, I don't have yeah. a single, I don't think I do anyway, have a single yeah. complaint. I don't think I have a complaint about his acting in Temple of Doom at all. It's really weird because, like, I don't even think it's because, like, uh, he find he doesn't even find it really find it in an empire. I think it's there are points where it's really not even subjective or objective, but like depending on how you view Harrison Ford. Because now I'm going, oh, it's in the Indiana Jones. He's doing Indiana Jones. That's great. But from that analytical point, I'm like, I yeah, I'm I'm Indiana Jones. I'm gonna go get no, it's a snake. Yep. I used to teach a film called Witness, and it's eligible, and we'll do it at some point. Yeah. And Harrison Ford, it's his one Oscar nomination he ever gets. Mm. And he's excellent in it. Like, he really is. He's charming. He's, But he just doesn't, like, everything just gets said flat. Like, he doesn't believe it. 
Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Indy hijacks a truck and there's destruction of the environment and there's classic cars and the desert and the Nazis and the motorbikes and the motorbikes have sidecars on them and John Williams is playing in the background. This is just everything you want from an Indiana Jones movie. This, this is like, when I said there are like the four big things, it's it's the opening scene. He shoots the he shoots the sword man. Maybe the the plane fight and this extended action scene yep. for like six minutes with with um with John Williams score and then the arc like those those are like the four or five big things where everyone goes Indiana Jones yeah yep. Indiana Jones. Um, they didn't have any much blood in the gunshots during the scene. Instead, they used a red dust. And the only red dust for the squibs that was available was cayenne pepper. So uh, the stunt crew uh, suffered a bit. Indy got shot in the arm while Rennie Belloc's Nazi doppelganger climbs into the truck and punches him in the arm before throwing him through the windscreen. Uh, Indy breaks the Ben's hood ornament and then slides underneath the truck sort of launching himself underneath it uh, ever so, so so gradually tying the whip to a part of the back of the truck and then pulling himself up the back side so he could then once again uh so remember he's been shot in the arm yeah so then he grabs both arms swings himself into the truck throws this guy through the windscreen like he just had and then runs him over and then he remembers to go ah oh, my arm hurts <laughs> A load of crap. Like I said, Indiana Jones, chosen by God. Yeah. Back in Cairo, there's a well-executed plan to hide the Ark. Uh, so, like, as he drives this truck in that he's hijacked now, Indy, the, the locals all, like, help hide him. How did they know he was coming? Yeah. How did they know he'd be driving a Nazi truck? Like, yes. radio exists, but he's got a German Nazi radio wave. See, my answer to this is: this has never occurred to me. So I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to choose to ignore this for the rest of my life. There no, you make a very good point. Thank you. Um, that evening, everything's set up, and the Ark will be sailed back to England with these pirates. And Marion's dress, which was clean all the way through the, I was watching everything that happened. That dress stayed clean in that cave with the snakes, <laughs> and now it's filthy. And she kisses um, Salah. I don't know if she says this is for your father or this is for fire. It was one of those two for the first one. The second one goes, this is for your children. So that's why I think the first one might be for for fire, a father. And that is for you. And she kisses him on the mouth. Now, I think he's married. I'm pretty sure because they have a whole conversation. At his house. Yeah, what Marion says to Indy is like, so why haven't you settled down yet like Salah has? Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah. But he's smitten. (laughs) Later, she's been given a very clingy, very thin white dressing gown, and Carrie said, I'm going to borrow that for my prom, if that's okay. Uh, She uses the mirror to, I don't know why she, it's one of those mirrors that has like an oval, and it has like a hinge in the middle that you just turn around on. Yeah. And I don't know why, but then, of course, it, it hits Indy underneath the chin. And he sort of screams so loud, we cut to an exterior shot of, of, of the ship to sort of sell he's, it. He's a good screamer, is Harrison Ford. Yep. She says he's changed a lot in 10 years. And he goes, it's not the years, honey. It's the mileage. Uh, Ad lib by uh, Harrison Ford. Hmm. She tries to nurse him back to health, but it hurts everywhere. And she goes, where doesn't it hurt? And he goes, well, it doesn't hurt here. And he points to his elbow. 
and then she kisses it trying to read marion's romantic interest in indy is absolutely insane oh it, it's it's fascinating because even 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 in crystal skull when they get married they go but i still feel she hates him yeah then he points to his hairline she kisses that then he points to his lips and she kisses that today's day and age they'd probably have done a different joke yeah yeah uh but then he falls asleep and i'm like what and she just goes we just can't catch a break can we and i'm like i I don't know if he's a victim in all this um then we go to the cargo hold and the ark is burning a hole through its crate until it's not drama yeah uh back in the bedroom they wake up she's topless under the covers yeah so did she remove her nightgown and get into bed with hair with indiana jones without his consent i'm assuming it would also be or if we cut a scene i'm sure i'm sure we probably just cut a scene because in my mind in my mind now this is where mutt williams is conceived okay because otherwise let's 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 just flip it for a minute if i could she passes out and then he just takes off all his clothes and slides in the bed next to her doesn't try anything but he's naked we'd all have an issue with that right yeah yeah i think it's the it's the implication here of because their relation we've we've seen their relationship like blossom over the course of this that we that it's just supposed to imply that that consent's not necessary now oh no that it was consensual because they mm. both seem he asks for the again it's a slippery slope isn't it? he asks for a kiss that's what he asks for yeah that, so I, is, I is that a free law i hear what you're saying so i was trying to tell yeah. some students at one point i teach rear, rear window and in rear window the boyfriend is woken up by the girlfriend kissing him on the lips and it's our first introduction mm. and they were going that's not consensual i'm like guys if you are in a relationship there's kind of a like a you have an open door to wake me up by kissing me unless you and i are fighting right now yeah. and i'm like i don't want to touch you there's kind of just always this implicit green light for that there's for a like, kiss yeah it's it's not like you don't have to wake them up and go, yeah. can I kiss you? Or wake them up and go, can I take my clothes off and sleep next to you if we're in an existing relationship? Yeah. Yes. I think the implication here is the relationship is now sort of rekindled because it's they, they seem to be like on and off all the time. Mm-hmm. I think that's supposed to be what the film is implying. Again, probably a cut scene. I was, I yeah, it was a cut scene. Yeah. Because when, when she's like, uh, what was it? We never get the time or, or, or something. Is it? Is, 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 we just can't catch a break or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's as if she's saying that their relationship has always like had these ups and downs. Yeah, yeah. Trying to and, start again. And, and he doesn't go, what are you doing naked? <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Like, like he's, it, it seems like he's like, morning. Yeah. yeah, he seems to be kind of all right. Yeah. Um, and basically, he, what he was woken up is the engines have stopped. So uh, he's going to go check it out. There's a German U-boat that has stopped their ship. Apparently, some of these U-boats were models that were on the uh, being used to film the, the movie Das Boot. Oh. Which would have been fine, but no one told them they were getting blent out. So they went to go use them when they weren't there. Oh, no. Uh, Marion, you're not going to believe this, Marion's been taken captive again. You're joking. <laughs> the captain covers for Jones and asks that Marion be left with them. He's denied. He says, oh, I'm sure she'll help us recoup some of our costs. Bellock's like, no, no, no. I want her as my compensation. 
Roll of Women's going to be interesting. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting. Indy then, sw- so then we can find in- Indiana Jones, and there's two ships of people looking for him, and somehow he manages to swim over undetected. Now, swimming's not a short process, especially it's if you're trying to do it covertly. Yeah. And uh, then, so the pirates going, hey, we're covering for Indy. What's the one thing we probably shouldn't do? Point at him and cheer loudly with our arms raised. Oh, we've missed my favorite shot before. Like, they go onto the sub, which is them being like, where's Indiana Jones? And like, I don't know. And he's just behind them, hiding terribly in like a little... In like uh, whatever the little smokestacky things are. Yeah. yeah. His head's just like sticking out like like he's a... Oh, what are those? Th- like, like he's a meerkat or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I forget how... I don't know if it's... I'd say intentionally funny these films really are. Oh, they are. They are. They're yeah. designed to be that. They're, Again, they're so good like aiming that. for a B movie, right? So yeah. there we go. Um, Which might be the problem with Crystal Skull. I think Crystal Skull forgets its roots. Yeah, and when it does, it kind of goes a bit too... Yeah. Yeah. Um, So there we go. Um, so they all share loudly, and then we travel by map to somewhere off the coast of Greece. Uh, Nazi cave headquarters, all the main players are still here. Indy surprised by an officer who's chewing him out because he's stolen bits of a Nazi uniform. Indy fakes concern for, and that he understands what he's being said to him for as long as he can before kicking the guy in the groin and knocking him out. Uh, but he got a hat in the deal, so that was good. Yeah. I need you to talk for a second because I got to find a plug for this laptop. Oh, yeah. So we're about to get to one of my, my favorite points, which is Indiana Jones points an RPG at a group of people and threatens to kill them, but also probably blow up Marion in the process. Yes, we're about to get to that. Uh, Dietrich objects to a uh, Jewish ritual that Bellick wants to do. This is the last line of dialogue written in the screenplay, and it was because they got to the end and went, oh, no, we've done a Nazi film where they've not said anything overtly against Jewish people. <laughs> we need to establish them in case in case there's someone out there going, why am I hating the Nazis again? So they Wait. wrote this line in. Wait, you're telling me the people went, oh, no, a film directed by Steven Spielberg, and we're worried that he, they might think he's not being critical of not Steven Spielberg. Well, this is years before Schindler's List, but I'm. Uh, oh but, no, not even that. Just, just him yeah. in general. Yeah. Uh, I think it was the idea that they just hadn't done anything overtly. Like, let's make sure that we don't deny who they are as as individuals. Yeah. I guess. Um, so they wrote that line in there, and Belloc says, "Don't you want to know what's inside first? You don't want to bring it to to, to Hitler and open it up and it not be the right thing." So back into the desert, all our main players are marching up in the sand. Jones shows up and threatens to blow up the Ark with what looks like a rocket launcher. Yeah. He says all he wants is the girl, and Bellix says, fine, blow it up. You're not going to do it. We're simply passing through history, but this this is history. And Indy relents and is captured. Uh, even if he blew it up, he would have been caught two seconds later. Uh, opening the arc, Indy and Marion are tied up like they're about to be thrown into a volcano. For more on our than that, check out Joe versus the volcano. Um, <laughs> uh, the the Nazis reach into the arc box. They're on this like little platform. It's a very theatrical kind of setup they got. Yeah, very ritualistic. And they only find sand. And Tot laughs and all, and as they kind of pour it back into the uh, into the the arc, and uh, all the electrics start to go haywire. The platform starts to fill with mist, and Indy tells Marion to keep her eyes shut, and these angelic images 
turns scary and the Germans start to have their faces melted as a pillar of fire makes its way above into the sky like the third act of a DC um, EU movie. Oh. Um, the lid lands and then everything goes silent. Um, but the, head, the, 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 the big part of this was the melting of Tot's head, which was done by exposing a gelatin and plaster model of the actor's head to a heat lamp with an undercranked camera. His crushed head was a hollow model from which air was then withdrawn. Spielberg said he loved this melting head effect, calling it the most impressive effect he'd seen up to this point. It proved to be so popular that special effects makeup artist Chris Wallace was flooded with calls, mostly from people who appreciated his work and also other special effects artists that were looking to do something similar in their own films. At which point, don't tell them you'd be an idiot. And that's basically it. They opened their eyes and all the bad guys have disappeared. Yeah, the, the, the arc is fine now. Yep. Uh, Indy and Marcus uh, are back in Washington, D.C. now, and they're upset with the fact they don't know where the arc is. They're happy with their compensation, but we were promised they'd be in a museum. It needs to be studied. And they go, oh, it's okay. We have top men working on it right now. Who? And they just go, top men. And... Um, we cut outside, and Marion and Indy just had to go for a drink, and this was shot in San Francisco as the last pickup shot. Uh, because originally they didn't have a final scene for these two. They forgot oh, to they forgot to do one. So they're like, amazing. maybe we need confirmation they end up together after this. This is the purpose of that shot. And in the final shot, the Ark is put into a warehouse full of other top-secret relics in a warehouse where it will never be found. We get some ominous music that then, uh, out of nowhere, just goes to boo-boo-boo-boo-boo. <laughs> And that's the movie. Um, so Indiana Jones, massive figure, causes great change and turns the tide of human history. Or does he? Oh, I, I, already, I already know this argument. Oh, no. A fan theory popularized with the Big Bang Theory episode, The Raiders Minimization, states that Indiana Jones plays no role in the final outcome of the story. Since despite his best interests, the Germans still end up obtaining the Ark and killing themselves by opening it in the absence of Indiana Jones. Uh, the Germans would have stolen the headpiece from Marion, made a correctly proportioned staff of Ra, and discovered the Ark themselves. It stands to reason that many Germans would have been killed during the first opening of the Ark, but they would eventually figure out how to use the Ark as a weapon by keeping their eyes shut. However, it was Indiana Jones' presence at the end that may make the difference. He finally recovered the Ark after he killed the Germans on the island and delivered it to the U.S., thus keeping it out of German hands during World War II. Also, he undoubtedly saved Marion multiple times from being tortured and killed by the Germans, hunting the headpiece so as the penultimate scene points out at least he got the girl yeah uh, I, I whenever i see him do it i like it right as the lost art someone always goes well actually indiana jones doesn't do it shut up yeah i'm enjoying the movie um and steven spielberg and melissa matheson who was uh the wife of harrison ford um, would m- take breaks in the location of this film. She was there to visit Harrison Ford, and Spielberg dictated to her a story idea he had. That script was eventually called E.T., The Extraterrestrial. Oh, my God. We're in the end game now. And we are in the end game now. Uh, Ethan, you're going to have to do this, buddy. We need a random word. Oh, monkey actually you know what i was thinking today because i thought for a while i was doing the solo today and i was like my random words monkey <laughs> so there we go it's such a good easy one and there are so many monkey gifts yeah there's also some great monkey songs out there i once had an idea about doing a cd full of just monkey songs 
such as uh, the money, money, money. Um, let's take a look at how close you can get. $20 million budget. What does it take home? I say 290. Oh, you're low by about 100000000 So you were 90, you were within $100 million. You were 99900000 million under. I technically still win. It, that's right. This time, by default, in November of 1983, <laughs> Paramount released a record half a million home video copies of Raiders, priced at $39.95 a piece. Oh, my God. The market hadn't been set yet, so you can do whatever you want. Well, I remember Disney for like uh, it was I think for rental stores like Blockbuster it was like eighty dollars just to to buy like a Disney VHS at that point. Oh, well. you're you're turning into a robot here with us. Uh, is it me? Is it you? I think it's you. I'm plugged oh, no. in. Okay, you're back. You're fine. So you were saying about Dis- about it Disney? Might be me. Yeah. You yeah. Said- when when the VHS is like first sort of launched uh like blockbuster and everything it was like 80 dollars i think they had to pay just to to own them to rent them yeah yeah yeah. uh you always pay more if you're a rental store because they make you pay because it's an income generating property um but uh paramount priced their videos lower than their competition reasoning it would broaden the sales audience and promote home videos watching by september 85 over 1 million copies of the film had been sold making it at the time the best-selling vhs ever oh my gosh so uh the oscars it was nominated for nine academy awards oh it wins it wins five you want to have a go i'm gonna say ooh. I'm going to say nominated for score. I don't think it wins it, though. Correct. Nominated, but not but not a win. Uh, I'm going to say sound editing. Yep. Wins. Yeah. Um, vis- uh, visual effects was the, the um, costuming one. Uh, visual effects wins. Costuming, let's call it art direction, because it wins for yeah. that. Okay. Uh, Although art direction is usually more set, but I'll still, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna say screenplay. No. Oh, maybe director. Nominated, but doesn't win. Okay. Um, see, I know you said that he's only got one nomination, so it can't be Ford for that. It's not Ford. May I'm gonna say supporting then for nope. for Belloc. Oh, okay. Nope. Oh. Um, you said sound editing. You could have also said sound editing. Oh, sound. Yeah, so the best sound, shit. which I think is all that. And then yeah. the other one that wins you didn't talk about was just overall best film editing. Oops. Yeah. So a lot of technical stuff. Uh it's also nominated for but doesn't win. Do you say best director? Uh yeah. Okay. Best cinematography. Of yeah. And best picture. I didn't even think about best picture. Nah, that surprised me when I came across that. It's not the kind of film you think about as having a chance for that, is it? It's a, it's the thing is, in a, Raiders of the Lost Ark is is a great film to talk about and discuss and like the pantheon of yep. like cinema. But I also, but I also don't go uh, best picture for the Oscars because they don't have to be hand in hand for like a good film. Yeah. Sometimes nineteen eighty one. I mean, uh, like this one must have felt really fresh. Mm. As opposed to now, where like so much of stuff has come out of this, like we see its fingerprints everywhere. So, uh, who would you cast as who? Oh, I think I think Liam's probably Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah. And His jo- fascination with the past as well. I think George is probably what's her name, Marion. Marion. You're Salah. My Salah. Okay. Ooh. 
I'll put or you. Why are you Belloc? See, I was gonna go Belloc, but you, I can be, be soft. You'd be a good. You'd be a good Belloc, actually. <laughs> Probably for I'm you. I'm the monkey. I'm putting you as taut. Oh shit! Both have round glasses. This little yeah, <laughs> little Weasley little guy. Yeah, who comes in is just like <laughs> I have ways of making. Here is my coat hanger. <laughs> the thing is, I whenever I watched the film as a kid, I always um I was focused more on Tut than I ever did on Belloc, and it's just because of his little voice. Yeah, yeah, his voice. Oh, you know what? You know what? This I just I was just curious what um it was up. Wait, oh no, this be eighty two. The eighty two pitch is not the eighty one. Eighty two Oscars, um, yeah. Yeah, so Chariots of Fire, Atlantic City on Golden Pond and Reds. Okay, it's either Chariots of Fire or, Go- or on Golden Pond that wins. I want to think it's Chariots of Fire, but I could be wrong there. Academy Award for Best Picture for Chariots of Fire. Oh, okay, I was right. Reverend Bruce brought that to me. You can listen to that if, you, uh, yeah. if you're so inclined. If you're like, I love 1981 pictures, go listen to Chariots of Fire. I think it was our first ever BFF of the BFE episode. I think it might I think it was, better. yeah. Love Reverend Bruce. Yeah. Hope you're doing well, buddy. Um, so yeah, Muppet this movie. Oh, oh. So you got to have Kermit is is indie. Is he? Oh, see, I think I think you can get Kermit look great in that because you can have Marion be uh, be Miss Piggy. Belloc is. See, I think Belloc works the best as the guy, <laughs> as the person. Okay. Because, because then in this in this implication, you just got all these little side muppets as like the Nazis, and they and their their death scenes are just catching on fire. I think I would go with Gonzo and oh, Camilla. No. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's much better. <laughs> uh, Gonzo is, is a D would be pretty good. <laughs> Fuzzy Sala in this. Fuzzy could be sassy. I was gonna go Sala as human, but Fuzzy as Sala is a good shout. Yeah. Or Fuzzy could be Marcus Brody. Oh, yeah. And there's yeah. a guy who gets lost in his own museum, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I know I'm jumping ahead two films, but yeah. <laughs> I think that's some stuff works. there. Yeah. yeah. Um, did this film have a villain problem? Uh, in the sense of which one of the three is it? Is it Dietrich? Is it Tot? Or is it Belloc? So I always forget about Dietrich. Because Belloc is like, he's the face of this is who we hate. And he's Jones' is, evil twin, and that's yeah, always a good like, that's always a good yeah. storytelling device. He he's a good foil there. And Tot is literally like he is the face of like the Nazis because he's the evil conniving German man with with the strange voice kind of thing. And he's the face we see melts that would suggest to us he's yeah. the big bad. Yeah. It's weird. He's this the is, one who literally he he harms himself to try and get to the Ark. We have this personal vendetta with mm. Belloc. In this ideological thing. It felt like the film didn't know necessarily which one to attach us to at the right times. Mm. But I appreciate that, that Belloc was was nuanced, that he wasn't yeah. evil, evil, evil. Like he was going like, you know, you guys are going too far. Although is that just because his his desire that he's got lust for for Marion, and if she doesn't do what she's which he does say after this is like off the boat, if she doesn't do what she's told. Yeah, I don't know. Um what should this film have been called? Is there a better subtitle than Raiders of the Lost Ark? I don't think so. No, it's it's re- it's really hard because yeah. like it, it it works so well, and I can I could try and think of a witty thing, but it's just yeah. No. Um, whose story is it? Oh, it's it's Indies. It's indies. Yeah. What is the story here? Oh, greed is 
a danger and I, it's this it's this weird thing because Indy's whole thing is like he's about preservation and um acknowledging history in the past and it's sort of like we need to acknowledge our past so we don't get destroyed by it kind of thing because mm-hmm. then because you know Belloc and everyone else they focus so hard on trying to rectify the past and reclaim it for their own it it backfires and hurts them so i guess it's that kind of thing but at the same point it's also greed is really bad and nazis are bad so yeah yeah all the graves yeah i don't really know Hmm. musical inspiration Fire starter for the bar soon. We're going back to all those ones from last week. Uh, oh, something about traveling a lot or being on a. Oh yeah, I'm on a boat. We can we can we can definitely do that. We can do leaving on a jet plane. Mm. Uh, Moving right along just when they travel by map. Another brick hey, in the hey, wall the for when for when Indy's yeah. pushing it out. Hey hey, we're the monkeys. Yeah, there we are. Um, uh, I was going to do, she, you know, when I saw her standing there, but at least in that one, she was 17. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, um, whip it. Whip it real good. <laughs> Stop now. We're not beating it. That, that, that's, that's the best one. We're not beating it. Uh, uh, roll of women. Okay. Um, it's, really there's not many of them not many of them yeah she's empowered she gives as good as she gets but i mean there there is some sort of conversation about some sort of trauma that's just kind of yada yada over and she tells us no big deal when she falls in love with indy again at the end that's the message is that we were just always meant to be it's a very gray kind of role of women because she's presented as very tough and free-willed and strong and independent especially Mm -hmm. at the beginning because you know like i said that joke about the bartender who who's like i walk back into my bar kind of thing but she has her own agency but then the plot also kind of forgets that to go damsel in distress marion's been captured again marion's been captured again marion blew up she's been captured again so it's kind of like teetering between that line of really because you can be a strong like empowered female character but you can be like that is the that is the, the thing yep you're not like indestructible I guess my other issue is it's just it's one times. It's just one character, isn't it? Yeah. There's also that. Like I know these are all typically, especially in 1936, yeah. these would be male-dominated areas. But I mean, there's like no women in this film besides her, and she keeps being Every clad in, in like love. And she keeps being clad in like virginal white. You know what I mean? Every woman that's presented in this film is immediately in love with Indiana Jones. Well, His you know, students, Marion, me. Um, <laughs> Were you in the film, were you? I, I didn't yeah. catch that. Well, you know, it's like quantum leaping I used to do. Uh, <laughs> well, I didn't know you ever went into the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's what, a new magic power of of, of love. I forgot about the, the quantum leaping. <laughs> um, where are we at here? Uh, best character. See, the obvious was good. He's seen the only Jones because he's got the whip in the hat. He's really yeah, cool. I mean, he is. And- he looks really in- is really interesting because I despise the man, but I find him so interesting as a character, especially because at this point, like, Nazis are a thing. And yeah. we know that they aren't good people. Do we see, see- Belloc die? 
Like, is there a specific focus on him dying in that Nazi scene at the end? His head explodes. Oh, does it? It yeah, been he's, gr- the, he's the last death. It would have been great if we found a way for him to survive that, and he could have come back in future movies. So he's like the Moriarty to like Jones's Sherlock. I would. I. That's the thing. I think Indiana Jones works really well if he has like a, just a little weasel because to, to hate on. Yeah, because you've got other villains who die. Yeah, Tot can be the big death. His face melts, right? Yeah. What happened to him? Oh, I don't know. It, it would have been interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I, I will. I will echo with you the same character. I think. Uh, I think Belloc is my uh, other choice. Although, I really like Marion. I do. Mm. I do. I don't think Salah gets much to do. He just no, tells I, the audience and and Indy essential information. He's I just the conduit. Why, I don't know why he's in Dial of Destiny. I guess I have to wait to find out. But. Yeah. Uh, best moment. Best element. Ooh. ooh. See, the obvious one is going, car chase is really good. Car chase is great. But um, the cinematography in this is really, really good. Especially because like, I can do all the obvious things. Like, but the cinematography, there are so many shots in this which are just gorgeous and perfectly mm-hmm. framed. And like, you, it has that Spielberg quality. Uh, I'm going to go with the opening sequence where we first get to introduce to Indiana Jones, where it's him and Doc mm-hmm. Ock hanging out. You know, the sequence is so nice, we reviewed it twice. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so where he's going through, and we learn so much about him in that opening sequence, you know. Uh, no, he doesn't He doesn't always win. He, mm-hmm. you know, here's him using the whip. Here's the idea about, you know, the, the treasure caves that have traps in them. It's just classic indie, but we don't know it's classic indie yet. So I'll go with that, and then of course just the music. So you kind of want to also the music of John Williams. It's, oh yeah, it's, like, it's, it's it's fantastic. Like that 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 chase sequence is nothing if you don't have John John Williams sort of guiding us. Yeah, I can I can still hear like the Town Market Square fight chase scene because it's just got this gorgeous little trill to it. Uh, a grumble, a grumble. Oh, see. I feel that this is a controversial one, but uh, the the final the final twenty the twenty minutes before before they get they open the arc kind of just exists solely for that because it's just it's all the ship stuff. I've always found the ship stuff really unnecessary and boring and like pads the film out. And I t- it's literally just go how do they get to the island? How are they going to get to it? And it's so we get like. 15 to 20 minutes to explain how they get to the island and I've, I've, I never find it interesting and I always notice no matter how many times I watch this film I get to that and I feel like I've been hit with a brick wall until I get back to the island and like he's pointing the RPG uh, they find the arc too early is what happens uh, they find the arc early then you gotta play hot potato with the arc for a bit in order to uh get it to the island um i had a couple of internal i mean number one the marion death thing that's just stupid it's just it's, dumb. It's a silly little time yeah. and the last one is harrison ford's line delivery it's just not good like he's better when he's acting you know opposite the music but where is the arc i'm like yeah it's, i believe you're there where was that the rest of the film uh so there we go anybody's best role ever well i think the question is is this india is this harrison ford's best role Ooh, i think harrison ford 
thrives more as indie than he does Han Solo. I yeah, think I'll give you he's that. Be- he's he's better as he's at his as, best. Uh, indie. He's at his yeah. best. There. I'll agree with he's that. He's having he's having more fun. I don't think he's there yet. I think it'll come with, but it's his best role. I'd say his best film yeah. performance yeah. or something. This is his best role. Is Indiana yeah. Jones. I would agree with that. So uh, I think we're at this here. Oh. I never want to hurt my age. What's my age again? What's my age again? Age game, age game. It's time for me to play the age game. All right. So here's what I got planned here. If I can finish within two years on either side. So I'm going to give myself a two radius on each side. So if I were to guess 23, my tolerance is from 21 to 25 in that regard. If I land in there, I get a point. If I don't get in there, I lose that matchup. So I need more wins than losses. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, okay. All right, let's do this. I, no, I, I like this. I like this. Let's do this. So we've got four, because for some reason, the guy that plays Tot's uh, birth and age just doesn't exist, apparently. All right. So we have Harrison Ford. Oh, Harrison Ford here. I'm going to go 38. Ding, ding, ding. A point for 100% accuracy. He is 38. Wow, okay. Cheating a little bit because I did know he was then in his early have- early 30s when he did Star Wars. Yeah. Then we have Karen Allen. Oh, I think she's I think she's younger than she looks. 26. Oh, you are just... She's 29. Oh, I just missed my uh, my tolerance. That, that's an so, L. Yeah, so so in so in my mind, I can't, I'm like, 19? Okay. Not a kid, but sure. Uh, then we have Paul Freeman as Belloc. Hmm. 40. Just out, and he's thirty-seven. Oh, I'm just barely missing it. <laughs> and now, if is this the tiebreaker? John Reese Davies as Salah. Well, I have to get this two tie. Yeah. So if I get this, oh, yeah, we'll have yeah, to yeah. go to a tie break. Oh, jeez, he's deceptive too because he's been. I've seen him look older in so many things. I need to not see him as that and see him as this. Oh, thirty-four. He's 36. You are back yes! in the game. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> so you need one. You need to find one more character I got to find here. Okay. I am going to search. Is there another Marcus? Ca- oh, Marcus oh, Brody. Fine. Of I'll course. Do, I'll do Brody then. Yeah. Denim Elliott. D E N H O L M. Hmm. Denim Elliott. I'm going to think he is. The older ones are harder. Um, 50. Oh, you say 50. He is 58. Wow. Okay. So in the end, I take, I, I take, I take an L in overtime, but that's okay. That's okay. Oh, I said he looks, I, I wouldn't have guessed 58 either. I said he looks old in, uh, in trading places. And that's just two years after this. Jeez. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, I should have gone trading places because he looks sixty and traded and worked backwards. Mm-hmm. I went with what he looked like here. Oh, maybe I did sick or something. I don't know. Um, all right, so there we are. There. So uh, let's do the critics. The critics. The good, the bad, and the ebes. You haven't looked this up by a chance, have you? 
No, I have not. I didn't even think about that. That's fine. I will very quickly, if you need me to. Uh, yeah, why don't you look up the good, the bad, and I'll see if I can find Ebert. Cool, cool. I will say that it's got a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes and an 8.4 on IMDb. So whichever way you want to slice it, it is uh, uh, fantastic uh, in that regard. Uh, So do you have a good and a bad? I have a good. It's amazing how many bads there are. Oh, okay. So we have Eric Shorter from the Daily Telegraph who says... It lacks unity of aim, time, place, and action. Worst of all, it lacks thrills. And to think that Mr. Spielberg was once rated as a director of talent. Sad, really. Wow. I know. And then we have Vincent Canby of New York Times. To get to the point immediately, Raiders of the Lost Ark is one of the most deliriously funny, ingenious, and stylish American adventure movies ever made. And gives it a four out of five. That's decent. Uh, I am just looking for... Oh, here we are. Here we are. He reviewed it twice. Oh, really? I don't know why. He gave it the same rating, so he didn't change it. Um, Let's see this. Indiana engages in the best chase scene I've ever seen in a film. I include it in second place, uh, the chase from the French Connection with bullets in third. I just thought I should mention that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He goes on to say, uh, the personalities of essential characters are enormously winning. Harrison Ford as Indy Jones does not do a reprise of his Star Wars work. Instead, he creates a taciturn, understated, stubborn character who might be the Humphrey Bogart of the Sierra, uh, treasure of the Sierra Madre. With his tongue in cheek, he survives fires, crushing shootings, burnings. He really hates snakes. Um, Karen Allen plays a female lead with resilient toughness. Uh, that develops his own charm. She can handle herself in situa- any situation. She really hates snakes. Raiders is a swashbuckling epic in the tradition of Star Wars, Superman, the James Bond pictures, and all the other multi-million dollar special effects extravaganzas. It wants only to entertain. It succeeds. Watch it with someone you know fairly well. There will be times during the film where it will be necessary to grab somebody. Four stars. Wow. And I believe he gives that his ratings out of four. I believe. Yeah. So yeah. There we go. Um. So uh, now it's time to see what our friends of the podcast thought. But before I do that, I put out a fleece as I am known to do. And uh, the question is: Is this a great film, good film, okay film, or poor film? And seventy-six uh, percent call this a great film. 13% call it a good film. That's 89% of the vote. Call it good or above. 8% call it okay. 3% call it poor. Who is that person? Uh, some, uh, we'll do comments from the Fledgling fandom in a mo, but we've got to hear from uh, our friends of the podcast as I look for a pen to write down scores so I can add them later. All right. So this one is Nate the Great. Why do people love this one again? Plot is a oh. bit of a, a big plot is a big i think it means bit of a mess characters making dumb decisions left and right Marion being loud and annoying it's not wrong i mean she did kind of tenet it in a lot of places but he was doing it so um harrison ford pretty much doing a han solo impression a few funny bits but otherwise i don't get the hype thank you very much next up we've got reverend bruce hey reverend bruce 
Good to see you. I was hoping Ethan could kill some time so I could go. Oh, sorry. I thought the button was about to go. Sorry, we got there. I absolutely love this movie. Saw this in the theater and I was very young and in school. The friend I went with said it was absolutely insane, and it was. I'd never seen anything like it. It was nonstop action, great fun. Ford as Indy is fantastic, much better in this role than as Han Solo. Ford and Karen Allen have real chemistry. I will agree with that. There are so many iconic scenes, the huge rolling building, the bullwhip, the fedora hat, and the creepy Nazi's face melting. I love the religious imagery and the humor. My favorite lines when Indy says to the government officials recruiting him who have no idea what the Ark of the Covenant is. What's wrong with you guys? Didn't you ever go to Sunday school? I didn't mention that in the review, and I should have. It's a funny line. Raiders at the stage for all forthcoming adventure movies. The trilogy took a step back with the horrific Temple of Doom, but came back with a movie even better than Raiders, The Last Crusade, which I hope we review view in the uh future finally raiders was so good it was nominated for an oscar in 82 but it fell to another one of my favorite movies chariots of fire in the past two years i heard a really good review of the movie you might want to check out <laughs> and those are our two uh oh no we one more Dwayne smith who says Indiana Jones was a huge part of my childhood. I rewatched this in Temple of Doom so many times. I rewatched uh, Raiders a few years ago, and it still holds up. All the parts I remembered were still great to watch. The boulder, the snakes, the fight on the truck. I thought Harrison Ford would forever be Han Solo, but he pulls off Indy so effortlessly, and you forget in an instant. Shout out to Karen Allen, who's wonderful and a great partner to Indy, who more than holds her own. Indiana Jones is great fun to watch. It's a shame they left such big gaps between the trilogy and the new sequels. Maybe they should have stopped at three. We will find out soon. And that is all of them. So thank you to our uh, Patreon backers for uh, going ahead and giving us their thoughts. Heck, you're going to find out in a minute. They're going to impact the scores on the doors as we bring ours forward. Their scores get out of the into ours as we give our final score for the episode. So if you want information on that, there'll be one more plug at the end of this episode. Uh, Let's see what our fledgling fandom thought those people who got a hold of us over on the twitter and you can get a hold of us on the twitter at best film ever pod uh also if you want to play our gif of the week game that's where you send your gif of the week um so we've got the vhs abyss movie podcast you just say really quickly i prefer temple of doom there we go i'd say that is a very hot take right now uh yeah i think so uh russell the posty says watched it last christmas for the first time despite having one of the most iconic openings in cinema history and some thrilling action sequences i thought it dragged in places i would agree i much preferred temple of doom and last crusade i agree with half of that carlo says probably the best action adventure film out there one of the most iconic openings ever a perfect introduction to the character harrison ford oozes charisma and the film manages to be fun and thrilling Lestat says recently watched this with the wife. It's probably the best in the franchise, but that's not saying a lot since the two since two is a heaping pile of doggy doo-doo. Um it's got some fun in it, but if this was released today, it's a totally mid film. Tom Cruise's The Mummy did it better. Oh, n- n- I'm gonna Yeah, I yeah, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that, but yeah. Um he Kev- kisses the villain to death. Kev from the podcast that wouldn't die says it might be my favorite movie of all time. Well, that's a pretty big statement. Uh, all things movie says as close to perfect blueprint for a blockbuster you'll ever see. Uh, even 40 years on cinematic lightning in a bottle Cult connections, having some fun with us saying never heard of it. 
And finally, Nostalgia Cast say, my pick for the greatest action adventure movie ever made with the greatest action hero ever made. Indy's great because he's not infallible, succeeding through grit and gumption. Spielberg, on the other hand, never steps wrong. A pastiche that became the drug everyone chases after. So thank you very much um that is that side of it so it's time to say if you like this film or episode you'll like well check out the ever indiana jones films that's for one yeah um i I guess star wars for harrison ford yep i'd say blade runner but blade runner is very different tonally different tonally but see he kind of goes to this and then then he does blade runner after this there's rumors that his performance in this helps sell people on him for uh ridley scott on him to do blade runner okay you know what? Else? Brendan Fraser's The Mummy, because that's like a, a two thousands attempt. That's the closest we've had state. since yeah. it. Yeah, 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 that and Tomb Raider. Yeah, I didn't mind the first Tomb Raider. Maybe, maybe that was that was twenty one year old boy man. Um, oh, I've, ne- I've never seen the Angelina Jolie ones. I saw it's the right. one that came out in twenty seventeen, and that was oh, I didn't see that. Oh no, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Uh, it was no, I like the Angelina Jolie stuff. It was pretty good. Um, so yeah, there's some good stuff. Uh, out there why not oh, also why not check out uh 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 national treasure it's got a very indiana jones feel Ooh, to it that was recommended for me on disney plus oh that it's was good my, it, the it first one's like, excellent yeah. the second one's pretty good yeah yeah they're they're, they're all right i would definitely i think coming out with like a new series of it i would I much rather already, just see a third movie i think it already came out yeah probably he removed it already oh is that right that's so, kind of a bad i really hate that they're doing that yeah Sorry, I was just doing some math there. Um, all right, so uh, now it's time for our ratings. Our ratings, Ethan. What are you giving? What are you giving? Raiders of the Lost Ark. See, I'm trying not to go just on nostalgia because I've seen this twice within the last week and a half because I watched it before we did carry, just like on a whim, and then I found out we're doing this, and I went, I could just not, but I wanted to anyway because it's it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's just a really fun film. And I'm going to go more... I think I'm going more on that than nostalgia. It's a really good film. It has, has some problems, like any film from the 80s or 70s does, with just, like, film construction. But it's fun, and it's good. And the ending, like, the ending just feels like you've you finished your journey in the best way. And the music's great. The set pieces are very mem- memorable. Uh, it's iconic. So for that, I'm going... Eight poison dates out of ten. Eight poison dates. There we are. All right, my go. This film belongs in a museum, and it does. It's part of the National Registry, as luck would have it. So the, oh, nice. There we go. Um, I think it's a film that it's hard. It's hard when you see films out of sequence or when you see films at a different time in your life. I think if I saw this when I was younger, I would probably rate it higher than I am. But I look at it and I see the importance of it. The problem with me watching this movie is that much like Reverend Bruce said, although he saw him in order, there's another film in the series that bests it. And the problem was that was the one I saw first. So what I'm seeing now is this character who is, it's like watching someone, it's like watching I don't know. You stumble upon this really great YouTuber. <laughs> it's a really weird comparison to make. And then you realize they've been making videos for years and years and years, and you stumble back and you catch some of their stuff they made five years ago before the production values weren't very good. And you go, oh, I can see the nugget of what he's going to turn into there. 
but man, does he get better as it goes along. And that's kind of what I got with Last Crusade, because that's my the problem with Last Crusade is I think Last Crusade is one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And then you go, here's Raiders. And I'm going, so it's a bit more rough around the edges. But, you know, the nuance of him and his dad, I'm like, this just feels like it's just him and a woman yelling at each other all the time. I was gonna when when you were saying Nate's review and then sort of the other just like the fledgling fan I was going maybe it's an age thing there's a nostalgia thing the same way that people that see like these big classics which is like eighties nostalgia for a lot of people in pop culture and they see it now they go oh, I can see it but of course I've seen so many other variations that have improved this I forget what we modern. said the other day where we said it was a couple of weeks ago we said it depends when you were in your life when you saw this. Yeah. Was it big? It might have been big, I said that I about. Think, yeah, it was big. Because I think, was it, I can't remember who, it, it, was, it wasn't Liam. I think it might have been you who saw it when they were much older than, like, I yeah. guess the intended age. Yeah. Yeah. So, or for the first time or whatever it was. Yeah. 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 Uh, whereas if you see it at the right age, uh, it would be a much different perspective. Yeah, I've gone back. It can't be anything else. It's got to be that. Mm. So, yeah, so that's where I am. Uh, that being said, I appreciate it. I can see how it's an important movie. I can see how it's an influential movie. And those things are really, really important as well. Mm-hmm. And I had a good time, but I'm not sitting here going. I'll tell you what, the first 20 minutes of this film are so strong. I was sitting here going, oh, am I wrong about Raiders? And in fact, it's my second favorite. And it's quite a gap between one and two. And then, the second, and then they get the arc and it just slows all the way down. And Salah's there, and I'm with you. I don't know why he's here. I, I don't get his his purpose in the film. Um, so a good time had some great special effects, especially for the time. I mean, I went to a, a Disneyland trip when I was like 20, and we did a ride that was like we had the ball from from Raiders rolling towards us, and then you like, oh, and then it yeah. goes down underneath it, and the and the ball continues rolling behind you, and it's just these iconic images. But then I kind of feel like. I get what Lawrence Kasdan was on about. What do I remember? The four or five set pieces and not the story of it yeah. tries to put them together because I don't think it does. So with that rem- in mind, I'm going to give this eight pieces of garden hose amongst the snakes out of ten. <laughs> That's great. There we go. So um, there we are. And the Patreon, well, usually we go, who's the voice of the people this week? But you and I have the same vote. So uh, they're not that far removed from us, actually. They came in at 7.33 overall. Ooh, so curious. What was what was Nate? Because he was Nate was the first one I read. He was a six. Yeah. Uh Reverend oh, okay. Bruce was 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 a nine. And then uh Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smooth. Thank you, was a seven. So that's how it came out in the wash. So seven point three three. So when you put all our stuff together, it comes out to seven point seven eight, which puts it just behind Carrie. You know Ooh, I think I'm okay with that. Yeah, I, I you, they they sort of have the same quality in the sense of they go by fairly quickly, but they have like a moment that yeah. is a bit too long. That's remarkable. It's seven point eight oh for Carrie, seven point seven eight for Raiders. Wow. Seven point seven one Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers. Oh wow! I would definitely rate this better than the Two Towers. Yeah. Even though I gave them the same rating of eights each, this is this would be this is closer to an eight and a half, and that's not closer to an eight and a half. Yeah. So if a gun to my head or bullwhip to my head to my head or a flaming hot poker to my face, uh, I'm giving this a much higher vote. So there's that. 
So all that's left to do is talk about what we're doing next week. And for us, next week literally means we're recording this on Tuesday, Ethan, if you're able to join us. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got to watch it. And you got to say Liam's coming around and Megan is as well. We're going to watch it and then we're going to hop on. So we'll be recording. Sorry, folks, doing a little podcast business here. We're going to be recording probably somewhere around 830, 830 okay. to 9 okay. o'clock. So yeah. it'll be a bit of a late one. But uh, that is that. So uh, because I don't get home from work till about it could be earlier, but probably not till six. That's fun. So uh, and we're going to be doing tell you what in this movie, the U.S. government asked Indiana Jones to save the world. Next week, the U.S. government's going to ask Bruce Willis to save the world. Anybody want to tell him? No, I could stay awake just to hear you dreaming. The second you said the government asked Indiana Jones to save the world, I went, if this, this is good, this better be Armageddon, or I'm going to feel like a fool. And we went, are doing Armageddon next week. <laughs> so, uh, I remember really enjoying this. This is, this is Michael Bay, right? Like, Michael, this is Michael Bay, yeah, and yeah. maybe his Michael Best. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> But we do have two t- two two time Resty Award winner Liv Tyler in a significant role. Oh shit! So who knows what we're going to get into this week, next week, <laughs> and by next week I literally mean days away. So I've told the Patreon uh, where we're at. Uh, the fifth chair challenge for our patrons is already up and available. So folks, if you're hearing this on day of release and you didn't realize that, go ahead and get your thoughts in on this. It's going to be a quick turnaround because Liam and I are both out of the picture next weekend, so we're recording it early. So there we go. Uh, we always as uh, want to thank our Patreon backers. We'll be trapped in a shuttle with you anytime. That's all. Oh, traps a bit of a rough word this week. Uh, we we want to thank Julian Hermes, James de Guzman, Lena Overholzer, Ensign Ian Davies, Chris Peterson, Randall Silva, Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith. The Yeatmeister, Reverend Bruce, Nate the Great, Andy Dixon, Holly Callan, Cheesy with a fish on a bike, Richard, Ryan Kuketz, Canadian Chris Dykstra, and Robert Ching, I believe it was. Yeah. Robert Ching, thank you, our newest member in real time. There is a welcome for you. And we want to thank you for that. We're always humbled when someone says, I get value out of this. It's so cool. It is cool. So, uh, I guess all that's left to do now is just put a bow on this one and uh, we'll just put it away, shall we? Yeah. So, in a warehouse where no one oh, will man. ever find it. So, for best film ever, Abney. And I feel weird. We got all the way to the end of the episode before I called this a boy's night. But instead, you might say it's been reviewed by top men. Who? I said top men. (laughs) We'll catch you on the flippity flap. The flippity flip flop.